If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Avocado, blueberries, broccoli, yeah. leafy greens, olive oil, uh, salmon, walnuts, turmeric, dark chocolate. Boom! Still remembers it. This days later. Adam just recited all of those brain foods uh, because he remembered them through using one of the tactics that you're going to learn in this upcoming episode with Jim Quick. That was, we recorded that episode like a weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And yet you still remembered. It's stuck in my head for sure. Yeah. This guy's like an, a memory Powerful. expert. Uh, you're going to learn a lot of different techniques in this episode. Very compelling. Um, and this guy's got a crazy story, an incredible story. So we know you're going to enjoy it. His name is Jim Quick. You can find him on Instagram at Jim Quick. Quick is spelled K W I K. And his website is quickbrain.com. And he also has a podcast called Quick Brain Podcast. He's worked with some of uh, the biggest names, man. I mean, he's worked with Bill Gates, Will Elon Smith. Musk, yep. Will Smith. I mean, and he talks all about that in this this episode. What a great episode. This is probably, I would say, one of the ones that we talked the least. Oh, it, w- it definitely was a different style for sure for us. And so I think you guys will appreciate it. It yeah. was totally different. He actually gives you tangible things you can use. Literally, listen to this episode, stop the episode, apply what he said, and you'll see results right away. Adam just gave a great example. I mean, those are things he told us to memorize using one of his tactics in the episode we recorded like two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. And he literally, and you haven't brought it up since. No, no. Oh, and you man. just remembered it right now. Yeah, it's very cool. Really, really crazy. It works. Well, now, also, before we get into the episode, you've heard Jordan Harbinger on our show before. He's one of our favorite podcasters, has one of the best podcasts uh, in the world, in our opinion. Um, and we value his podcast quite a bit. He has some of the greatest interviews uh, I've ever heard. One recent episode was with Clint uh, Watts. Um, and this guy talked about surviving in a world of fake news. Now, I have Jordan Harbinger here with me right now. That episode blew me away. Yeah, this guy's cool, right? So his job is he chases terrorists online. So he he was a social engineer, which is like kind of a human hacker type of situation working for intelligence agencies in the military. And then he found on Twitter, and you you see this. I even got a, a, some of this now that I, he's been on the show. I started getting like Russian Kremlin bots and like crazy people sending me messages and being like, you're a Nazi. And I'm like, wait, how did I go from like interviewing this guy to like being a Nazi? And they're like, you hate Russians. That's racist. Therefore, you're a Nazi. And I'm like, wow, those are there's some logical jumps here. And it's just insane because this network of Kremlin-backed media – uh, Russia-backed or China-backed or North Korea-backed sort of like uh, info warfare, this is a very real thing. Oh, it's crazy. The thing that blew me away was, uh, and this has been happening since the beginning of the internet, but now with social media, they have armies of, of either human trolls or automated trolls that go on to shift ideas, to combat people's opinions, to, to make us believe that we're changing our minds on our own when in fact they're influencing us. It was a crazy episode. Anyway, you guys have to go check it out. Uh, again, it's uh, Clint Watts. The title of the episode is Surviving in a World of Fake News. And the podcast, the Jordan Harbinger podcast, make sure you go check it out. Uh, we will link it in our show notes. I want to remind everybody, go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Check out all of our different MAPS programs. And we have different programs for different people and different levels of experience. So if you're a complete beginner, we have the workout for you. If you're really, really advanced... 
We have the workouts for you as well. We have programs for people who want to train like bodybuilders, athletes, strongmen, uh, bikini competitors, people who want to sculpt, people who just want to get stronger, people who want to just get more mobility and improve their movement patterns. We have all those programs available. We even have something called a super bundle where we combine multiple programs and give you a year of exercise program, all planned out. In other words, you start your workout today and every single day is mapped out for you for an entire year. All of those can be found at mapsfitnessproducts.com. And that's it. Here we are interviewing Jim Quick. I have a video with me and Simon Sinek and it has it has almost 38 million views on Facebook all about your phone and how our phone's just messing with our mind. Oh, we God oh, damn it. Yeah, we got to talk about that. Let's do that. That's a whole other episode. Yeah, because we just, insane. we're talking about digital wellness now yeah. just in our really? space and, and uh-huh. talking to people about how they need to create practices around technology just like you have to create practices for activity and nutrition yep no i think i definitely would like to i mean god maybe the digital wellness maybe we do start there i did not know you did that with simon and that's a that's been a hot topic for yeah. us lately um and uh, my audience our audience is tired of hearing me talk about the book irresistible by adam atler mm-hmm. uh you know andy galpin's unplugged uh jen Torrey's, uh um iGen. but those three books in the last two years are uh, just completely shifted my mind on on the way we look at technology today i find it very fascinating and a little bit scary dude we should be recording right now we, we are oh, let's yeah. roll oh, really? yeah. yeah all right yeah <laughs> that's how we start yeah yeah we we just we just see the 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 tech technology being the new uh uh obviously being an amazing tool but also being the newest health threat yeah. uh to modern societies um and we think it's responsible for a large a large percentage of the increase of anxieties and, and things that you're seeing in kids in particular. Yeah, I could talk about four challenges right off the top of my head. So digital, and these are like digital threats to our health and our wellness. Number one is digital overload. Too much information, too little time, mm. right? The amount of information is doubling at dizzying speeds. I was down the road here at uh, Google and I was doing a training and, and I I heard from the uh, a chairman that the amount of information that's been created from the dawn of humanity since human beings walked this planet to the year 2003, which is only what, a decade and a half ago, that amount of information, how long does it take to create that nowadays? Oh, gee. Two days. <laughs> Wait, In two 48 days? 48 hours. Is, is that true? Yeah. Think about all the podcasts, the YouTube, the social posts, that amount of information. I mean, just think about like the Library of Congress. Um, that amount of information only takes two days. So the amount of information is doubling at dizzying speeds, but how we learn it, how we absorb it, focus, retain it, apply it is pretty much flatline. And that growing gap creates something called anxiety. Mm. They call it information fatigue syndrome because everything's a syndrome, right? Higher blood pressure, compression of leisure time, more sleeplessness. You know, and your brain's always multitasking. And so our brains, we live in an age, I know we're um, talking about SpaceX. We live in an age where, you know, electric cars and spaceships that are going to Mars, but our vehicle of choice when it comes to learning and education is like a horse and buggy. Mm-hmm. You know, like the education system has not, we all grew up with the 20th century education that prepared us for a 20th century world, which at the turn of the 20th century was working in farms and factories. And, uh, and that's what the education was. It was assembly line, cookie cutter, one size fits all. But now we live in a world where the world's changing so much. I read recently that a 
someone graduating school today is going to have eight to 14 different careers. Can you imagine that? Not jobs, but different careers because we don't know where the world's going to be. Right. So your ability to outlearn, outthink, outperform, I mean, that's your greatest advantage. If there's one skill to master in the 21st century, it's your ability to learn rapidly mm. to be able to keep up. So it, digital overload. Digital, this second digital supervillain today that I think is a health threat to all, everyone listening, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're a parent, you're a high achiever, is this thing called digital distraction. I mean, That's guys, a huge one. Yeah, I mean, think about all the social media alerts, the app updates. I mean, our minds are being fried because we're getting these dopamine fixes all the time on, oh, on my show. Picks. Yeah, and it runs along the nervous system, this uh, motivation learning centers of your, of your nervous system, and it makes it addictive. I did... Um, I did two uh, on my show, on my podcast, I, I interviewed Dr. B.J. Fogg. Do you know who, they, who he is? No. He runs at Stanford University, the Influence and Persuasion Lab. He is like the habits expert. In fact, one of his, one of his students co-founded Instagram. Do you know how often the average person opens up Instagram? It's ridiculous. It's like 50-something times, isn't it now? It's now 150 times. Holy wow. shit. And then if you guys are opening up a less, that means somebody's opening up a whole lot more. But that's by design, mm. right? Because every like, share, comment, you get this dopamine flood, and it, it drives our, you know, our, our, our habits and our addiction, if you will. And we talk a lot about routines, and now we're going to talk about how to jumpstart your brain, morning routine, evening routines, because... I mean, really, the success that everyone is desiring, it's hidden in our daily habits, right? First, you create your habits, and then your habits create you. But one of the things, that a bad habit, the most successful people, they have their to-do list, and we all have our to-do list. But I've also noticed that some of the highest achievers, they have a not-to-do list. You know what I mean? They have a list of non-negotiable things they will not indulge in because, you know, we've all read the book, Good to Great. You say no to good, so you can say yes to great. Right. And a lot of times when you get more and more successful, you suffer from this opportunity stress, right? You get more and more offers, more and more opportunity, and you can't say yes to everything. And that's a big challenge because then you have so many windows open on your computer. And even if they're minimized, they still take up energy and they take, still take up space and memory. And you wonder why you're fatigued all the time. You wonder why you don't have the mental energy to do the things that you need to be able to do. So digital distraction and on the top of your not to do list should be not checking your phone in the first thing in the morning. And I know everyone's listening to me and, and automatically so many people are just like, oh my God, you know, like I hate, you know, I hate this guy. But the first hour of the day, the reason why you don't want to pick up your phone is because, and we're all guilty of this, is because it rewires your brain for two things. Number one, it rewires your brain for distraction. When you wake up first thing in the morning, you're in this relaxed, alpha, creative, very suggestible state, right? You just woke up. And so you have to be very careful and protect and stand guard to your mind from outside influences. Because number one, if the first thing you see on your phone, you're watching these cat videos and you know everything that's going on social media, you're getting these dopamine flood, which is building your distraction muscles. Because when it comes to focus, focus is, is like, there's a focus fitness, if you will, and you have focus muscles, but you also have distraction muscles. And a lot of people, their distraction muscles are way overdeveloped because of picking the phone up first thing in the morning. But the second reason for a neurological re reason why you don't want to pick up your phone the first hour of the day is because it also rewires your brain for reaction. It's training your brain to be reactive. And so, you know, as you know, you, get, you go through your phone, you wake up in the morning, you pick up your phone, you get one text, one voicemail message, one 
you know, email and all of a sudden your day is shot. Mm. Like it puts you in a bad mood and you carry that mood throughout your entire day. And that's a big challenge because, you know, if you're just fighting fires, then you're just on the defense. If you're just trying to fulfill everyone else's needs without going through like what's going to help me to win this day, to own this, you know, this day to be able to make it the best, then, um, then you're, you're reacting. And I have, a, I have a friend, Brendan Burchard. He says, your inbox is nothing but a convenient organizational system for other people's agenda for your life. Hmm. I mean, you mm-hmm. guys know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're training your brain to react and you can never have an incredible day if you're just reacting to things, right? So for me, I wake up in the morning and when I just start journaling and I write down three things I want to accomplish personally that day and three things I want to accomplish professionally. And it's different every single day, but I always begin with the end in mind. One of my favorite books of all time is this book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm -hmm. And we've read this book. Some people are like, I have that book and it's sitting on my shelf. And it becomes shelf help, not self-help, right? Because nobody's actually (laughs) like reading that book. Because so many people buy books. And I I like to encourage people to read at least one book a week. Because the average person reads about two, maybe three books a year. But what I love about reading, number one, is the best exercise, you know, for your mind. And, you know, it's it's like reading is to your mind what exercise is to your body. It's an incredible workout. And uh, but most people, they don't take the time to read. But the other reason I like to read um, is if somebody has decades of experience in leadership, negotiation, entrepreneurship, fitness, and they put it into a book and you could sit down in a couple of days and read that book, you could download decades of experience into days. And that's a huge advantage, right? Because leaders, leaders are readers. Um, so when I when I when I'm writing when I'm writing what I need to accomplish, I'm writing three personal things, three professional things. But my this book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the habits of highly effective people is seek is actually put first things first. Put first things first. Meaning I believe that the most important thing is to keep the most important thing the most important thing. The most important thing is to keep the most important thing the most important thing. Because a lot of people have a fear of a failure or fear of success. You know, my, my, my fear has always been, I don't want to succeed at things that don't matter. It wasn't so much about failing. It's about getting really good at something that didn't make a difference. And Stephen Covey talks about it like you're really good at climbing the ladder of success only to get to the top and realize that it's leaning on the wrong wall. Mm. And so if you begin with the end in mind, so I'm thinking about... My friend uh, Clay Bear has this phrase about uh, champagne moments. You know, in sports, it's very clear when you're popping that champagne, what has to happen, your criteria. And for me, I think about if I'm coming back, you know, at night and somebody ha- asked me how my day was and I was like, I crushed it today. You know, what had to happen working backwards in order for that to happen? And I think about three things professionally, three things personally. And so I write that down first thing in the morning and then I don't check my phone until I get one of those checks done. Just at least one thing, you know, and then I'll get some positive momentum, for example. But that's the reason you don't want to check your phone. It's training you to be distracted and it's rewiring your brain to be reactive. And you can't be successful and fulfilled if you're just giving up the sovereignty, your power to some, some something outside of yourself. The third digital, like, supervillain, if you will, when we're talking about, you know, digital uh, challenges is, um, so you have digital overload, digital distraction, is digital dementia, have you heard this term yet? No. You're going to hear this a lot in healthcare. It's basically where we're outsourcing our our brains, 
our minds to our smart devices. Oh, this is why I can't mm-hmm. remember anybody's phone number. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, how many phone numbers did you know growing up? As a, as all a of them. All yeah. of them. Literally all of them because yeah. we had to, right? Yeah. And how many phone numbers do you know right now? Two. Yeah. But the, the old ones that don't matter anymore. The ones that don't matter kid. anymore. Mine and my wife's, yeah. Exactly. So you know like one or two. There could be somebody you're texting or calling every single day. And if your phone was dead or if you didn't have it with you, you wouldn't honestly know what that number is. No. And here's the thing. I don't want to memorize 500 phone numbers. Nobody wants to do that. But we've lost the ability to remember one phone number. We've lost the ability to remember a conversation, somebody's birthday. I mean, I feel like absent-mindedness. I mean, how many people feel like senior moments are coming too early? Yeah. Like you walk <laughs> into a room and you just forget why you're there. Mm-hmm. Or you open up the refrigerator. You go to the store to buy one thing and you come back with like two bags full of things, except for that one thing you went to, you know, get there. Get there. Or you can't remember if you, you're in the shower, you can't remember if you shampooed your hair. Your hair. And I believe two of the most costly words in life and in business are I forgot. You know, I forgot to do it. I forgot to bring it. I forgot that conversation. I forgot that meeting. I forgot what I needed to say. I forgot that name. Mm. I mean, I think number one business etiquette, networking mm. skill there is, is remembering people's names. I almost feel like we've replaced that ability of remembering certain things with just being distracted instead. So rather than like, oh, I don't, I'm outsourcing this and so I have more space. No, I'm filling that space now with flipping through social media and going through Instagram and shit like and that. And we don't realize how much time we're spending on these devices, right. right? When you go and you actually look at the numbers, when you look at your phone and you look at like you're somebody spending like 24 hours a week, you know, on, on social media or whatever it is. I mean, that's, people always say, oh, I have no time to read or I have no time to work out. <laughs> it has nothing to do with, with time management. It's all priority management. Jim, you know what I did is I stopped, this is going to sound funny, but uh, I 100% guarantee 90% of the people listening do this. I stopped taking my phone into the bathroom. I have now read a book. I have read an entire book in like like a week and a half because I don't have the phone in there with me, so I take a book with me, and now I read when I'm on the toilet, and it's so much better. <laughs> and little things like that, it sounds, it's kind of funny, but it's true. Like, Shit we don't, we don't take control. Here's the thing with, with this addiction that we have with our, our, and I'm not, this is not me saying technology is bad, you know, any more than fire is bad, but fire could you know, cook you food and it can burn down your home, right? right? Technology is how you use it. It can amplify your, you know, your your value, reach more people. It's why, you know, a lot of us are connected through social media. There's so mm. many benefits. You can learn something, you know, history from the best professor at Oxford. I mean, it's incredible. And if you're picking up your phone at a habit, like dead time, out of boredom or something mm-hmm. like that, mm. technology is a tool for you to use. But if technology is using you, then who becomes the tool? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that, that's us, right? I'm a tool. And that's the thing. So you, sometimes people need to break up with their phone and, and create borders or boundaries because digital dementia is basically saying our phones keep our to-do list. It keeps our schedules. It keeps our phone numbers. It, I was out to dinner the other night and it was 10 of us. And then at the end, when the bill came, like half the table picked up their phone to find the calculator to divide by 10. And you know if that's not funny, then that that that's a, <laughs> yeah. that illustrates the problem that we have right now is because that we can't even do simple mental math because you know even uh, GPS that's how they that's how originally they were talking about digital dementias where if you're relying on a piece of technology to tell you when and where to turn, then you wouldn't realize when you would normally have a memory lapse, so you're not going to the doctors to get checked out. So we're highly dependent on our digital devices, and so our smartphones are making us stupid, yeah. and they call it digital dementia. And then the last thing, besides digital overload, digital distraction, digital um, dementia, is digital depression, right? I mean, this comparison culture that we all live in, that we're all comparing our lives unconsciously or consciously to the highly curated, filtered 
you know, life trailer of everything that's being posted on social media. And that's a challenge, right? Facebook depression, you know, people feel like inadequate. They don't feel like that they're enough and they've, they, they suffer from FOMO, right? The fear of missing out there. Everyone's having this incredible life and that depression, you know, leads to a lot of, you know, mind altering challenges, you know? And so that's the thing It's just, we know technology is wonderful and to the degree we could use it as opposed to letting it us use us then this degree will be happy, mm. fulfilled, successful. Now, do you ever think that it, this is similar mm. to what we probably went through when television first came on the scene? Like before all that, we didn't have that type of entertainment that would get kids or get people to sit down and stare at it for hours at a time. And I'm sure many people were addicted and binge watched that when it first. Do you ever think that it's just like that? Or what do you think is different today than like when the TV first came on? Yeah, I think it's two things. I think it's the velocity of of information Mm -hmm. because now television, when it first came out, you know, there were three, maybe four networks. There were, there wasn't a lot of, it was coming at, you know, very slow speed. Nowadays it's tough, right? In education, you have teachers trying to teach kids when they're used to like all this information coming at them at light speed, right? So it's not just the velocity, it's the variety of, of information. I mean, because of the internet, which is amazing, right? We have access to all the wisdom of the ages at our fingertips. We have more access than Clinton had when he was president, right? There could be some 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 kid in a third world country in some village somewhere who has access more than what the president had just in their pocket. So we live in an exciting time and yet the velocity and the variety has increased so much. And so the human brain wasn't really, didn't, wasn't created to be able to adapt. I mean, it is adapting through, you know, these challenges through digital depression and digital dementia, digital distraction. But I'm just saying like, it's similar to, to television, but just like, Exponential. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. t- you couldn't take the TV with you in your pocket. You didn't have limit, you know, an unlimited bandwidth. TV's b- bandwidth is limited. Even it didn't today, answer all your questions immediately. It didn't. It, it, it did. It, it wasn't so individualized. But it would learn your habits and learn how to get you to use it more. It's way different. It's absolutely. It's the difference between seasoning your seasoning food with salt and engineering and processing food, in a ma- and you know, with with a bunch of scientists and creating the most hyper palatable processed food of all time. That would be the comparison I would make. I think today, because we we're in health and the health and, and fitness and wellness space, and I we completely understand that in order to be fit and healthy, today you have to have practices. Like activity doesn't just happen spontaneously anymore in in modern life. You're just not active, and eating right just doesn't happen because you go hunt your food and that's what you eat. Now you have all these choices, so you have to create all these practices. And the way I look at uh, you know digital wellness, if you will, is that we have to create practices. We have to learn what those practices are first. Like, what are are there are there some practices? You talked about not using your phone for an hour in the morning. I thought that was a great one. In fact, I implemented that, and I think that's uh, phenomenal. Actually, changes the way I wake up. Um, are there any other practices that you? That you can think of? Absolutely. And so here's the thing. They say they estimate about 40% of our daily activity is habitual, meaning it's unconscious. We're on autopilot. And the challenge is, my question for everybody who's listening to this, is when did you actually design you know, your habits or your routines? And so if you want to be able to win the day, that I think the most important hour of the day is the first hour of the day. And then also the last hour of the day, right? You get those bookends, if you will, and then you're going to win because, so for me, for example, I, uh, 
I go, I have a 10 things that I do every single morning to jumpstart my brain. So that's how my morning routine is different than Tim's, is different than Tony's, is different than Oprah's. My thing is my brain controls my life. Mm-hmm. And what I want to do is make sure my, my best foot is stepped forward. And so in no particular order, when I wake up in the morning in order for me to win the day, the first thing I do is I remember my dreams. And you're like, wow, that's really different. I haven't heard that before. You mean you try you do something to remember them, or you just specifically? Naturally remember? Okay. No, yeah, I go through an exercise, and like they're they're, I, I I did a deep episode on how to remember your dreams, and I give you some of the tips here. But the reason why, and I always start with why, is because when you're if you're a student or you're an entrepreneur, you you're learning all day, you're trying to solve problems all day. You think your brain shuts off at night, but in actuality, your brain is more active at night. People mm-hmm. don't realize that. And what is it active doing? It's consolidating short to long-term memory. It's cleaning out plaque that leads to you know dementia and brain aging challenges. But the but the other thing is it dreams. Like you will spend about twenty years of your life sleeping and about three to five years fully dreaming. And what's going on in your dreams? It's amazing. People don't realize this. But there's so many things in human culture, literature, art, music that came from dream states. Mm. Meaning, for example, Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein in her dream. A chemist came up with the framework of the periodic table in his dream. Elias Howe created, created the sewing machine in his dream. Paul McCartney came up with the song Yesterday in his dream. <clears throat> you know, Jack Nicholas, like we talk about athletics, right? And high performance. How do you perform really well in the field? Jack Nicholas was going through a real slump. He was shooting in the in 1964 around like high 70s and he couldn't he couldn't get over this slump. And then he had a dream one Wednesday night where he changed his grip just slightly on mm. the golf club and the next day he shot like low 60s, which was inc- which is incredible difference, mm-hmm. right? And so your mind is learning throughout the day, but at night it's actually it's actually integrating your learning. It's and so, it, huh? exactly. And then, so you, you'd last, but the problem is most people wake up and they kind of remember the dreams and then they forget them. Mm-hmm. And so, what's going on in those, in your dreams that could be actually, you know, solving problems in your business or your learning and everything? So, a few things. I have this acronym called DREAMS, right? The D, and I use everything acronyms just because it's easy to remember. Mm-hmm. The D stands for decide you know, a real decision. Like most people never decide to remember their dreams. And so like never, just like remembering names, right? Mm-hmm. We could talk about how to remember names and confidently go into a room and meet 20 strangers and leave saying goodbye to every single one of them. You know, I do this thing in front of an audience where I'll have a hundred people stand up and introduce themselves to the rest of the audience and I'll remember their names, all hundred of them and give it back to them because everyone could do this. Like a lot of people don't realize, but I, I grew up with severe learning challenges. You know, at the age of five, I had a very bad accident in class in kindergarten, bad fall, traumatic brain injury. And I was just, I was put in special classes. Like I, I had bad focus teachers would repeat themselves three, four, five, six times. And then I would pretend to understand, but I didn't understand anything, right? It took me an extra three and a half years longer to learn how to read. And that was a big challenge because, you know, you don't remember what back in class where they taught you how to read and you have to pass around that book in that circle. I mean, I think that's where a lot of fear of public speaking came from. You know what I mean? Every single time that book came closer to me, I was like, because I, and I would get it. I would look at the words and they look like hieroglyphics and I would just pass it on, you know, cause I just thought there was something wrong. Mm. I actually taught myself how to read by reading comic books late at night. Oh, something okay. about the illustrations and the stories brought the words to life. And that's why I always talk about superheroes, modern day superheroes. Cause I think everyone listening uh, to this has the potential to be a modern day superhero. Not, not, 
shooting lasers out of your eyes or leaping tall buildings, but, you know, discovering and developing your unique superpower, your unique talent, your unique ability, if you will. And then just having a superpower doesn't make you a superhero. You have to use that superpower for good. So for me, like passion is what lights you up and purpose is what lights up the world. You know, so my passion now overcoming these learning difficulties, like at the age of nine, I remember in class, the teacher pointed to me and was like, that's the boy with the broken brain. Like, that's so she crazy. said that. In front of the wow. whole class, wow. talking to another adult. And here's the thing. Adults have to be very careful with their external words because mm-hmm. your external words become a child's internal words. So every single time I did badly on a quiz or badly on a test or I wasn't picked for sports, which was like all the time, mm-hmm. it would be like, oh, because I have the broken brain. And that became my inner talk. When was right? the turning point for you? So my, it, was, it wasn't until like about 18 years old that I actually, because I... You know, school's interesting because they teach you what to learn, math, history, science, Spanish, but there's zero classes on how to learn, mm-hmm. you know, how to be creative, how to solve problems, mm-hmm. how to focus and concentrate, how to be able to listen better, how to be able to think differently, how to be able to remember things, how to read faster, you know, all the things that we teach. I think that's like the most important thing because the content's always going to change. Like if, if there was a genie in the room right now and the genie would grant you any one wish, and only one wish, what would you ask for? More wishes, right? right. That, would, that would be the hack, if you will. And, but if I was your learning genie and I could help you learn any subject or skill better and faster, what would be the equivalent of asking for more wishes? It'd be, I want to learn how to learn. Yeah. Faster, better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They call it meta-learning, learning how to learn. Mm-hmm. Because if you could do that, you could take on any subject. Because another habit of highly effective people, going back to the book by Dr. Stephen Covey, the last habit, seventh habit, sharpen the saw. That if you have all this wood that you need to cut and you have a, a saw with a dull blade, you know, you're never going to just pick it up and just start. That'd be, that would be such a waste of time, so much struggling and sweating and suffering. You sharpen it first and then you cut through those that wood like butter. Same thing with reading. You know, I teach people how to read three times faster and understand more and have better focus. But why would you start just reading if you're not taught how to read well? Because then you're just trying to cut you know, wood with a dull blade, if you will. So at 18, you started to teach yourself these techniques? So I got, I was lucky to get to a state university and I purposely chose a a school that none of my friends went to because I feel like, you know, when you want to make a fresh start, but the people around you kind of keep you, because they have an expectation of who you are. And I really do believe that's the biggest challenge that we have in life. One of the Mm. biggest challenges is trying to live to the expectations of other people. Meaning that I was doing... um, in Hollywood, I do a lot of training for actors. I help them to speed read scripts, to memorize their lines, to help them have focus and presence on, in front of a camera, for example, have the best mental acuity and brain health. And um, I was working with Jim Carrey and I was at his home and we we're in his kitchen making all these brain foods, right? Because um, I know you had Max uh, talking about genius foods mm-hmm. and we're making like avocado and guacamole and everything. And I asked him, Jim, I was like, why do you do what you do? I always want to know why, right? What drives people? And I find out that his biggest drive, the reason why he acts so so crazy on film and camera is because he's like, I want to give people who are watching at home permission to be themselves. You know, I act like a complete fool, so extreme because I want everyone to free themselves from concern, the concern of others. Because I, I believe personally that you could go broke buying into the opinions and expectations of people around you. And it's usually the people that care about you, right? They're mm-hmm. their friends, they're your family. And and 
they could care about you, but they're like, why you listen to our podcast? Why are you going to, you know, working out so crazy? Why are you always eating all that crazy food, taking all those supplements, whatever, right? And they can have good intentions, right? Maybe they don't, at some level, there's some kind of secondary gain. They don't want to lose you. They don't want uh, you to be disappointed. They, uh, they don't want you to outgrow them, whatever it is. But people can be sincere, but they can be sincerely wrong. Right. So we always have to stand guard to like our peers, to who we give power to, to like how we feel and how we think and everything. And so going back to this free of yourself from concern, you know, I wanted to go to university that I didn't know anybody. So they didn't have this expectation of me and I wanted a fresh start. And I took all these classes and I really wanted to make my family proud. Right. Because we my parents immigrated here. They We lived in the back of a laundromat, didn't speak the language, didn't have any money, completely broke, you know, like that whole story. And I want to make, I have a younger brother, younger sister. I want to be a good example, right, mm-hmm. as the oldest. And I was like failing out of school, right? I'm, and I want to be like the role model. And I took all these classes and I did worse. And I'm like, what the hell? I don't even have the money to be here right now, much less do worse. And I was ready to quit and I didn't know how to tell my folks like, how am I going to tell, like, as the oldest, I'm going to quit school, mm-hmm. right? That this is their dream, right? And my friend of mine was like, hey, take a few days. I'm going to go uh, visit my family this weekend. Why don't you come with and get some perspective? And I feel like perspective is a magic word because when you change your point of view of something, and it usually changes place or the people you spend time around, because that's why you always have to be careful who you spend time with, because you, we've all heard who you spend time with is who you become. Right. And the reason why they say, like, if you spend time with nine broke people, be careful because you're going to be number 10. <laughs> the reason why is because in your nervous system, y- you have these things called mirror neurons. Mm-hmm. And your mirror neurons is what imitates people around you. It's why you can watch a movie or watch sports and feel what they're feeling uh, because you imitate them. And the reason why you have to be careful who you spend time with all the time is because it's not just your neurological networks, it's your social networks. Because then you start adapting and adopting the same beliefs, the same behaviors, the same attitudes, the same habits as the people around mm-hmm. you. And so he was like, why don't you get some perspective before you tell your family you're going to quit school? It's a big decision. So I go visit his family that weekend and the family is um, pretty well off. And the father walks me around his property before dinner and asks me this simple question, which is the worst question you could ask me at the time. He's like, Jim, how's school? And I'm like, shoot. <laughs> and like, and I, and I just break down and start crying from this complete stranger, right? And I was like, I can't hold this in anymore. I have to quit school. I tell him all about the broken brain and, and school's not for me. I'm gonna disappoint my family. And he and after I like vented all that, he was like, Jim, stop. He was like, why are you in school? And here's the thing. Questions, I feel like, are the answer. If you want to be a faster learner in life, like so many of us, have you ever, you guys, have you ever read a page in a book, got to the end, and just forgot what you just read. Yeah, yeah I had to reread yeah. it. And you go back and you reread it yeah. and you still don't know what you just read, yeah. right? And one of the reasons why is, first of all, you're reading too slow. And people, there's this big myth that if you if you read, um, if I asked you to read faster, you think your comprehension would go down. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, your comprehension goes up. Yeah. And it's counterintuitive. I think it's a rumor being spread around by slow readers. <laughs> but, but the reason why is your brain is this incredible supercomputer. But when you read, you feed this supercomputer one word at a time. Metaphorically, we're starving our mind. And if you don't give your brain the stimulus it needs, it'll seek entertainment elsewhere in the form of distraction. Mm -hmm. You ever find yourself reading something and your mind wanders? 
or you can start like imagining other things. That's when I do the I, forgetting. I found this hack from Tom Billu was the person who turned us on, turned me onto this like three years ago, and he was the first person I'd ever met that listens to his audio books on like three speed. Right. And I thought exactly what you just said was I thought when I started to speed it up, there's no way I'll be able to comprehend all this. But it, it what it causes me to do is to focus harder. The faster I went, the harder I focused, and, the more I retained. And that's so true. Blew my mind. Because the, when you read slowly, you don't give your brain the stimulus it needs. So it seeks entertainment elsewhere. And that's why it feeds its distraction, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like driving a car. If you're driving the car really, really slow, are you really focused on driving? No. No, right? Because what are you doing? You're like texting, you're, li- you're singing a song, you're thinking about like a client, you're th- you know talking to somebody in the, you're mm-hmm. carpooling with whatever. You could be doing five things when you're going slow. But if you're racing a car... And taking like hairpin turns, two hundred miles an hour. Do you have more or less focus? Yeah. More. You're not right. thinking about the dry cleaning. You're not trying to text. <laughs> You're completely focused on the act of driving and what's in front of you. Same with reading. Yeah, even though this makes sense, the police officer still gave me a ticket. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm way safer. Okay. Dude, you can't even imagine with with a name like Quick. It's the worst name to have when you get pulled over for speeding because when you hand over your driver's license, you're not going to be able to talk your way out of that ticket. You know? um, so it's really my last name too. I didn't change it to do what I do. You know, a name like Quick, my desk. My life was pretty much planned out. My father's name, my grandfather's name. I had to be a runner back in school, which is a lot of freaking pressure when it says quick. And then I get to do my dharma, my mission, which is teaching people how to learn quicker. Because I'm the boy with the broken brain, I turned it into my mission to help literally build better, brighter brains. My 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 mission is no brain left behind. Mm. But be, we're, when this guy asked me this question, you know, why are you in school? I think questions are the answer. Like if you had more questions when you're reading, you'll get more answers. Does that make sense? Sure. It's kind of like, um, you know, years ago, my my sister was sending me these emails and these postcards with these uh, this certain kind of, of dog. It was like a pug dog. And I was like, why is she, and this is my question, why is she sending me these pictures? And I realized her birthday was coming up. And, you know, so what does she want for a gift? She wanted these pug dog, right? And all of a sudden, I start seeing these this, these pug dogs freaking everywhere. <laughs> like, I'm at the grocery store at, the, at, like, Whole Foods or whatever, and and I'm, and I see somebody checking out with a pug dog, right? Mm-hmm. I'm running in my neighborhood, and I see someone walking six pug dogs. Now, my question for everybody listening is, where were these pug dogs before? Right. They were there. They were there. You just didn't notice them. Yeah. We just didn't. And here's the thing. At any given time, there's, like, two billion stimulus that we could be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. The brain primarily, people don't realize... Your brain primarily is a deletion device. It's trying to keep noise out because mm-hmm. if it focused on everything, you would go you would go crazy, mm-hmm. right? And so, what you determine what determines what you focus on because you can only focus on, according to George Miller at Harvard, five, seven plus or minus two bits of information. Mm-hmm. So, if I gave you guys a list of like twenty words to memorize, you probably remember seven plus or minus two, five to nine mm-hmm. of those words, because that's how much you could hold consciously, mm-hmm. unless you had like a, a strategy, which we, we, I could teach you like how to be able to do that. And so you're constantly trying to ignore certain things, but all of a sudden this pug dog became important. So I start seeing it everywhere. When you're reading, there are all these pug dogs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Questions, answers right in front of you, but you don't have the questions to activate what's important to you. And so going back to the power of questions, this guy asked me a question like, well, why are you in school? You know, if, if you're having all, all this challenge in school and you hate it so much, why are you in school? Nobody's ever asked me that question, right? And if you ask a new question, you get a new answer. You know, when we talk about innovation, and I do trainings for Elon at, at SpaceX, for himself, his rocket scientist, it, it's funny. There's this book 
I was talking to him about called The Structure of Scientific Revolution. And it basically says, pretty technical book, basically to sum it up, says that all big innovation in fashion, automotive, computers, usually comes from somebody outside the industry. Because it takes somebody from the outside to look in saying, with today's world where it is right now, with technology where it is, why aren't you doing it this way, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't grow up with the same limitations as somebody who had schooling in that because there is this learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing because I remember years ago, I saw this video um, online and it was like these uh, fleas. This professor put these fleas in a glass jar and put a lid on and they would just jump out, right? I don't, I don't know why lab scientists do this, but like the fleas would just, they put them into the jar and they would jump right out because the lid wasn't on it. Then he put the lid on the jar. And then after a little while, the fleas would still jump, but they would just, they would stop right before they hit their heads, if you will, on the top of that lid. And then a funny thing happened. He opened the lid stayed and what happened yeah. stayed isn't it the same thing with elephants too how they used to like tie them down and when they're young and then later on they have like all this like weight and power but exactly they, they don't they, they feel that little exactly. bit of uh, tension and they won't move exactly you want you go to a circus you wonder why that elephant that's this huge magnificent beast doesn't pull down the whole circus tent right, right. because it's tied to a rope in the stake in the ground the reason why it's been tied to there since it's been born mm-hmm. in the beginning it would try to get its sovereignty and its freedom it would pull 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 and realize it would learn it's helpless and then weeks later months later when it's big and strong and, and it you know it could easily pull itself out in its mind it's not and people are listening to this like what's the point i'm not a flea i'm not a, an elephant <laughs> but how many times as adults have we tried to learn the piano we tried a new workout or or a new class or whatever it is and we're like oh no this is not for me because that's the problem i mean who are the fastest learners on the planet? They're like like children, children. right? Mm-hmm. How fast can they learn a musical instrument? How fast can they learn uh, another language? Yeah. Really fast, right? And part of it is, you know, besides their ne- neurology, a bigger part, as, as important part is, they're not scared of failing, mm-hmm. right? A, a child doesn't fall after eight times trying to walk and be like, oh, screw this, I'm not going to walk, <laughs> yeah, so right? But adults, we do that. And that's the thing with mistakes. It's like we have this fear of making mistakes, but people don't realize it's when we fall, like people who fall are so much stronger than people who never fall because they build like the the muscles to be able to get up. Mm-hmm. It's just like when you see a butterfly. Everyone thinks the beauty is in the butterfly, but the growth happened in the cocoon. When that, you know, that caterpillar was pushing its way out, it built the strength in its wings to be mm-hmm. able to transform. And I feel like if somebody's going through adversity right now, you know, like we've all gone through challenges. People hear about post traumatic uh, like you know, post-traumatic stress all the time. And I bet some people who are listening have gone through such difficult times that they wouldn't wish it upon anybody. But also at the same time, they came out with a new perspective, a new lease on life. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't change that incident no matter how horrible it was because they found a mission. They found a strength. They found a new identity. And they call that post-traumatic growth. And people could Google it, but that's, it's phenomenal. Like, and so through adversity, I believe that difficult times, they could define us. They could diminish us or they could develop us. But we decide ultimately, right? We decide what things mean. And then so going back to um, this question, I've never been asked, like, why are you in school? Like, I never questioned it. I was like, everyone goes to school. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you're supposed to do, right? And he was like, well, why are you in school? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? What do you want to What do you want to share? And I honestly did not have an answer because nobody's ever asked me that before. And ask and you shall receive. That's why I think questions are the answer. You have to train yourself to ask these questions. And and I was like, well, and then I go to answer him. He's like, stop. And he pulls out of his back pocket a journal. And honestly, I thought 
it was only like 12 year old girls who carried diaries and wrote in diaries. Mm -hmm. But he takes out his, his journal, he tears out a couple of sheets and he makes me write down my answer. And after, I don't know how much time goes by, I have like a bucket list, you know, all the things I want to do, be, have, whatever, before I kick the bucket. And when I'm done with this exercise, I start folding up the sheets of paper to put into my pocket thinking it's done. This exercise is done. And he reaches out his hand and grabs the sheets out of my hand. And I'm freaking out because this guy is really successful and he's looking at all my dreams. And I've never even shared my dreams with anybody, even myself, really. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't know how much time goes by. But when he's done reading all my dreams on my bucket list, he looks at me and he was like, Jim, you are this close to everything on the on this list. I'm spreading my index fingers about a foot apart. And I'm thinking, no way. Give me give me 10 lifetimes. I'm not going to crack this list. And he was like he takes his fingers and he puts them to the side of my head. Meaning what's in between, like Mm. my brain is like the key or the bridge that's going to get me all my dreams. And he takes me into a room of his home that I've never seen before. It's like maybe this size. It's huge. It's wall to wall, ceiling to floor, covered in books. Like I've never seen a library in somebody's house before. And keep in mind, I've never finished a book cover to cover. I'm a horrible, horrible reader. I have all this negative association around books. It's like walking into a room full of snakes. You know what I mean? Like if you hate snakes. But what makes it worse is this guy starts grabbing snakes off the shelf and hands them to me. And I'm looking at these titles of these books, and they're these biographies of some incredible men and women in history and some very early personal growth books like Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, Napoleon Hill, right? And I've never seen these books before. And he was like, Jim, I want you to read one book a week. And I'm like, have you have you not heard anything I've just said? Uh-huh. It's like I'm I'm I have a broken brain. I I have all this schoolwork and 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 when I say schoolwork, he looked at me. He's like, Jim, don't let school get in the way of your education. Uh-huh. And I'm like, and I didn't realize at the time it was a Mark Twain quote, right? It was like mm. 25 years ago. And I'm like, wow, I was like the same way. I was like, that's really smart, and yet I can't do this, you know? Because if I say I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, and I can't commit to doing this. And then he's very smart man. He picks up out of his pocket my bucket list, which he still has. And he starts reading every single one of my dreams out loud. And I don't know, guys, but it's something about hearing your dreams, your fantasies in somebody else's voice, in a stranger's voice being, you know, like encanted out in the universe. It messed with my mind, my heart, my my soul, something fierce. And honestly, a lot of things on that list were things I wanted to do for my family. Things my parents could never in a million years afford to do for themselves. And even if they had the money, they wouldn't do for themselves. And I've noticed that it's so important in your life to have leverage, to have motivation, right? Because everybody wants something, but people don't know why they want it. And unless you feel that, you're not gonna do it. Meaning, I believe the biggest lie there is in the high performance personal development industry, it's knowledge is power. Like we hear it all the time, right? You see it in fortune cookies and we were taught like knowledge is power, but it's not. Knowledge is at best potential power. It only becomes power when we use it, when we apply it, right? People think they get points because they listen to a podcast or buy a book or go to a conference, but literally all the podcasts, coaching programs, conferences, you know, online program, whatever, none of it works unless you work, right? Mm-hmm. right? And that's the thing. So it's only potential power at best. And I'm, and I'm going through and I'm thinking like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to say, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Right. And, and, and so that motivation is key. Like, I remember I was doing a, a talk right down the road here in Palo Alto. And when I'm done, 
the um, Bill Gates comes up to me after he was in the audience. And I asked him, like, if you could have any one superpower, what would it be? And he was like, Jim, the ability to read faster. And I was like, oh, I could totally help you with that. Because leaders are readers, right? Warren Buffett said, I probably wasted 10 years of my life reading slowly. Warren Buffett reads 500 pages a day. Right, and so important to be able to 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 read. I did an Insta Insta story recently with Will Smith, you know, on set, and I was like, "What are two things you do to keep your brain alive, like really active?" He was like, "Jim, I do two things every single day. They're my, my non-negotiables." He was like, "I run and I read. I want to do something physically every day, and I have to do something mentally mm-hmm. every single day because the key to building new brain cells, neurogenesis, neuroplasticity, is two things: novelty and nutrition." The same thing that builds your physical muscles, novelty, work it out, and then you give it nutrition, right? You feed it and then you give it rest. Same thing with your mental muscles. Mm -hmm. So when people want to get physically fit, you know, they want to be stronger, faster, more flexible, more pliable, more agile, more energized. I want that to be for your brain muscles, your mental muscles. I want your brain muscles to be, be stronger, more energized, more focused, more agile, more flexible also as well. And it's absolutely possible through neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. Anyway, the guy was like, he got, um, when I was talking to, to Bill Gates, we were talking about the future of education. Like, what does the future of education look like? And I was taking it from, I was talking about meta-learning, learning how to learn, you know, accelerated learning. And he was taking it where I was taking it from a theory standpoint, he was taking it from a tool technology standpoint. What what education would look like. And the whole, this whole crowd was gathering around us and somebody asked, is there anything missing? You have the theory, you have the tools. And we looked at each other, we talked, yep, human motivation. Because so many people know what to do, but they don't do what they know. Because common sense is not common practice. And it comes down to human motivation. And really it comes down to self-awareness. I believe self-awareness is a superpower. That if you want to be truly fulfilled in life, you need two things. You need the curiosity to know yourself I mean, that's why we meditate. That's why we journal. That's why we go, you know, to do these deep explorations about our beliefs and our values and everything. But once you know yourself and you have the curiosity to know yourself, you need the courage to be yourself. So many people kind of know themselves, but it, remember that expectations. And if you fuel your life on, on other people's opinions and expectations of you, you're going to run out of fuel. You're going to run out of gas easily, right? Because here's the thing. I spent a lot of time with seniors. My, um, I don't talk about this a lot, but when I was a child, my grandmother passed away of Alzheimer's. So it's kind of, you know, certain inflection points in our life put us on a path, right? And so I spent a lot of time at senior centers, not teaching them memory techniques. I do that and I help caregivers do that also as well. And, and, you know, medical doctors at the Cleveland Clinic for, for brain health. But I also just help them share stories because I think we can learn from everybody. And when they share these stories, it polishes off their memories, which is amazing. But after they get done sharing their stories, invariably they come to regrets. You know what I mean? They talk about their biggest regret. And what do you think their biggest regret is at the end of their their life? Things that they uh, didn't do, not things that they did. Exactly. It's literally that. It's like the things, and why didn't they do it? Because there's usually how would it look to somebody else? Sure. You know what I mean? And that, that's what, going back to what we're talking about, Jim Carrey and freeing yourself from the concerns of other people. That's so important to be able to liberate yourself because it's hard to learn and be a childlike and play all the time because you think you're going to be silly. You know what I mean? And then here's the thing, you know, you don't stop playing because you, 
you know, grow older. Most people think they stop playing because they grew older. It's the opposite. You grew older because you stopped playing. Mm. You know what I mean? And we lose that sense of play. And that's why it's so important to be able to learn faster is a sense of play, making mistakes, falling down. You know, I'm really concerned even with with kids nowadays that we protect them so much. We are like mm. removing swings and seesaws from the playgrounds. We're not because we don't want them to get hurt, but they mm. need to move around. That's how children learn is through mobility. Mm-hmm. People don't realize this, but the number one reason we have a brain is to control our movement. And when your body moves, your brain grooves. Mm-hmm. Literally, as people are more active physically, they create the brain-derived neurotropic factors, which is like fertilizer for the brain, which promotes neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. We need to move. But, you know, you got, we, we know this. We live in a sedentary culture, you know, where they say sitting is the new smoking, and we're sitting behind computers all the time. We're not moving as much, and we need to move in order to be able to understand information better. But going back to motivation, it's really key because what Bill Gates was talking about human motivation is we all know what to do. But honestly, a lot of people, they listen to your show and they watch your videos and they could quote you guys, but you know, they can say it over and over again, but they, they're not doing it. And I'm, I'm here to challenge people who are listening to this because I'm not here to placate to you. I think a real coach tells you what you need to hear. And I feel like if you can't apply it and do it, you don't know it. You know, you might be able to say things and repeat things that other people say, but the thing is, is what robs you of mastery is saying, I know this already. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Getting away from the basics. And all the masters, you know, out there have always talked about, you know, even uh, even Bruce Lee, right? Bruce Lee said, you know, I'm not, the one thing he ever said he was scared of, that he was afraid of, he's like... He's like, I'm not afraid of the of the guy who's you know who's learned ten thousand kicks to you know practice them once. I'm afraid of the guy who's practiced one kick ten thousand times. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the ten thousand hours. That's the road to mastery. And so I'm challenging everybody to, as you're listening, is to take notes. And I and I take notes a very specific way. And I, I take a, my sheet of paper. I put a line down the page. And on the left side, I take notes. And on the right side, I make notes. Because people don't realize this, that when you learn something, there's a learning curve, right? And I'm all about shortening that learning curve. And so when I go into organizations, I could show them how to literally, if it takes normally two weeks to be able to do it in a few days or to be able to cut their learning cycle for sales or training or whatever it is. And when we're, when we're talking about learning curves, there's also a forgetting curve. Did you guys know like when you learn something on a podcast or a book or you go to a seminar, within two days, how much of it's lost? How much do you forget? I would, I would, I would guess something like half of it. Yeah, yeah, more than half, eighty percent. Oh wow! They call it it eighty. They call it the forgetting curve. That you learn something once within two days, eighty percent of it is gone. And how many of you who are listening could identify with that? It's like you didn't study in school, and what did you do the night before? Yeah. Cramped. You crammed, right? You crammed and then forgot it right after. Exactly. It all. Yeah. And then the next morning you pulled an all-nighter, which is really bad because you know you should have slept because that's where you consolidate short to long-term memory and everything. And the next morning you're at breakfast and nobody could talk to you because you don't want anything to spill out of your, your brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can't wait to take the test. And when you're done, you put the pen down. What happens to all the information? Gone. Yeah. It's completely gone. That's the forgetting curve. That's, that's where you lose all information. So taking notes helps you to retain. But on the left side of the page, I take notes. On the right side, I make notes. Now, what's the difference? There's a hmm. huge difference. On the left side, I'm I'm capturing. Like, you know, this is Jim's morning routine. This is how he, you know, you remember names. This is how you learn any subject or skill faster. That's your step to do. That That's your capturing. And on the right side, I'm creating. Instead of your imagination, your distraction going somewhere else, what if you put your impressions of what you're capturing on the right side? 
And the three questions that dictate my focus, here's, here's a big takeaway. As everyone's listening to this right now, my goal is to take knowledge and turn to action because that's how our life changes, by doing something new. But we don't do something new and because we're everything is habitual. Even the thoughts that we have, we have 60, 70,000 thoughts a day. But 90, the problem is 90, 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts we had yesterday. Mm. And people wonder why they don't change, right? Because all the thoughts are exactly consistent and thoughts are things, we know that. And so going back to, to this, this process, the reason why I have people, there's three questions I ask all the time. Now, I, I'm obsessed about these three questions because I remember questions are the answer. And before I go into my three questions, I want to give everybody like a tool or an idea distinction that you already ask yourself questions all the time, but we're not conscious of it. Like the act of thinking is nothing but the process of asking and answering questions. You know what I mean? Like, and if you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, is that true? Notice you had to ask a question in order to be able to think about it. Right. right? And so there are certain questions you ask all the time. I mean, hundreds of times a day, but you're probably not aware of it. So for example, I took a friend of mine through an exercise and we found out that her, this dominant question she asks all the time is, how do I get people to like me? How do I get people to like me? Now you don't know anything about this woman. You don't know her age, her background, her career, ethnicity, but you know a lot about her. If somebody asked themselves continuously, how do I get people to like me? What's her life like? What's her personality like? Mm-hmm. Well, God, if she's always asking insecure, that. Yeah, yeah, very insecure. She's insecure. She's always judging herself. Mm-hmm. Probably depressed. Yeah, she's sad. She's always judging herself. Her personality is very malleable, meaning it changes depending on who she's spending time with. She's a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She's always you know doing all everything for everybody else. Not solid. Exactly. And so you know all this about her, and you don't even know anything about her, but you know one question she asked herself. That's all you know about her, and you know a lot about her. So that question determines her focus. It determines her reticular activating system, that RAS. Just like when I saw the pug dogs, it determines your focus. So my question for everybody here is, and my challenge for everybody, I would love to see, see this even on social media, is what's your dominant question? Right. Mm. Like, what's the question you ask yourself all the time that you learned when you were like, five years old and you've been getting answers and looking for validation on that question ever since. So for me, I was the boy with the broken brain. Growing up as a kid, I didn't want the attention because when you feel like you're broken, you don't feel like you have a lot of value. Mm -hmm. And so my superpower back then, in all honesty, was being invisible. I was really good at making sure nobody knew I was in class. I never raised my hand. I never created a, a you know challenge or anything because I didn't want the spotlight. I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be heard, right? But my question early on was like, because I, I felt like I was broken, is how do I make this better? You know what I mean? If I have the broken brain, I'm always trying to fix everything. Mm-hmm. And I got trained. And so here are three questions that I would ask your, train yourself to ask yourself on the right side of this page. Number one, when you're learning something, you're listening to this episode, you're watching this video, ask yourself obsessively, how can I use this? How can I use this? Because that's where the rubber meets the road, right? You start thinking of all this creative ways of how you could use this technique. So if we talk about how to remember names, how can I use this? Like in what situations can I use this? And write that down, right? Instead of your attention going somewhere else, put it on the right side of the page, right? It's kind of like a metaphor for your left brain and right brain. Left brain's all logical, right brain's creative, right? The second question is, now that you know how can you use it, ask this question, why must I use this? 
why must. This goes back to human motivation because I believe there's a success formula. I call it three H's, H cubed, head, heart, hands. That if you you could affirm things in your head, set goals and KPIs in your head, right? These these outcomes and these these things that you need to, to, to do. But if you're not acting with your hands and you're procrastinating, you guys know what I mean? You like you have something you should put, but you put it off. Mm-hmm. Like, why do we put off the things that are going to make our life better? Like, why would mm-hmm. we do that? It's not even logical to do. Paralysis by analysis. Exactly. Because right? we're overthinking things and we want it to be perfect and we don't act and we're afraid of making mistakes and on all these things. And um, I did this video in my backyard and I have, um, some people might have seen it. I have this 10 foot Hulk in my backyard. Uh, and it's kind. Of, I did this how to smash uh, how to smash procrastination five different ways. <laughs> but one of them was this formula H cubed, because it goes from your head to your heart to your hands. And if you affirm things and set goals in your head, but you're not acting with your hands, you're procrastinating or self sabotaging. Check in with the second H, which is your heart, which is the you know symbol of emotions, the energy emotion. Because we're not. You remember you know this. Remember this quote. It's not people. They don't buy logically. They buy. Emotionally. Emotionally, right? right? We do everything emotionally. And they justify it with logic later on. Exactly. Because we're not <laughs> logical, we're biological. You think about the all the uh, neurotransmitters, you think about dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, like we're this chemical soup. And so we want to be able to proactively have agency, meaning we are in control and decide like why we want to do something. Mm-hmm. Even if you want to remember names, one of the greatest hacks of remembering names is just ask yourself, why do I want to remember this person's name? Because how many people listening right now have trouble remembering people's names? Everybody. Everybody, right? 95% of the population. But let's say this. Let's say Mind Pump had a suitcase here of a million dollars cash. To the, If you just remember the name of the next stranger you meet on the streets, who's going to remember that person's name? Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. Everybody. So how does everyone go from like, they're the worst person at remembering names to becoming a memory expert? Their motivation. Their right. motivation, yeah. right? So as your coach, I'm calling you people who are listening on your BS is that you don't have a bad memory. Like you could remember people's names. You just don't really want to. Because I believe as a core, and you can write this on the left side of your note taking, is genius leaves clues. That if somebody does something extraordinary, like when I do these demonstrations, I memorize lists of words, a hundred numbers, hundred, you know, words forwards and backwards and names or whatever. I don't tell people, I, I tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I do this to express to you what's really possible. Because the truth is all of us could do this. We just weren't taught. If anything, we were taught a lie. A lie that somehow our memory, our intelligence, our potential is somehow fixed like our like our shoe size. And it's not it's absolutely not true. Like what I love about your show and the work that we do in this community, it's about we're about transcending. You know, think about the word transcend. I'm always looking at like word origin. Transcend, ending the trance ending this mass hypnosis out there that we're broken, that we're not enough, right? You know, like spread on by marketing and media and stuff like that to, for, you know, mediums of control and, con, you know, to drive consumption and everything. And and I'm saying that if you knew how powerful your mind was, if people really truly knew, they wouldn't say or think something that they didn't want to be true. That's right. how powerful mm-hmm. your mind is, like how it rewires. They say that a person's mind, Oliver Wendell Holmes said, a person's mind, once stretched by a new idea, never regains its original dimensions, <laughs> right? So the second question I ask all the time before, after, how can I use this? The second question is, why must I use this? To tap into that why. Because when you meet somebody, you forget their name. Here's the thing. You don't forget all names. 
you remember some names. Right. And I guarantee the names that you probably remember <laughs> are names you're motivated. Yeah. Exactly. You're attracted to that person, <laughs> you know, or that I could like be a you. good person yeah. to, you know, do business with. There's a motivation. And you wonder why you remember the person's name. So ask yourself next time you're meeting someone for the first time, why do I want to remember this person's name? Maybe it's to show the person respect. Maybe it's to make a new friend. Maybe it's to make a sale. Maybe it's to practice these things I learned from Jim because I heard what I practice in private, I'm rewarded for in public, right? And so you know that. And that's that. That's where the practice comes because you're prepared. I remember I was doing this, I was with uh, Will Smith and we were shooting in Toronto from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And I, and I was like, this is crazy. And I, I take him through the same exercise trying to discover his dominant question. And we found out his dominant question is, because remember, your life is a reflection of this question that you ask all the time. Mm -hmm. His dominant question, what we came up with is, how do I make this moment even more magical? How awesome is that question? <laughs> yeah. Like if you obsessed around that question, question hundreds of times, <laughs> like you would get answers all the time. There's a pug dog, there's a way, there's a way, there's a way. And then his life is a reflection of that. Like we were shooting, you know, I remember it's like 3 a.m. And his whole family from West Philly, as you know from the song, is like there. <laughs> Born and raised. And it was cold in Toronto and they're all bundled up and they're drinking like hot, you know, like they're just watching, you know, we're waiting, right? It's not glamorous at all. People are just waiting, waiting to be filmed. And, and Will comes and he brings hot chocolate for everybody and he makes jokes and you could tell he's, he lives that, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I asked him, I was like, how do you do this? Like, how do you just, we're just waiting for hours for the director to say, get ready and let's go. How do you, how do you get ready? You know, how do you stay prepared? How do you get ready? And he looked at me, he was like, Jim, I don't have to get ready. I stay ready. And I'm like, oh, it's good to be Will Smith. <laughs> that's awesome. But my point of bringing this up, that's what world-class people do, right? Because they live it so much, they can just roll out of bed and do it. Because I believe at a core that the life you live are the lessons you teach. The life that you live. It's not what you say. And that that's what my big pet peeve outside of knowledge is not power. It's only potential power is this, you know, so many claims everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, especially on social media and people have got to stop saying it. They just got to show it, right. like stop promising it and just prove it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because nothing, it's better well done than well said. And the life you live are the lessons you teach. And that's what I feel like when people know it going from here to their hands, you know, from their head to their hands, that's where you have congruency, mm -hmm. right? It's about taking information that's in your head. It's information here, inspiration to do something with it and then implementation. And when you have those three eyes, then you have the fourth eye, which is integration. It's just who you are, right? It's not something you read in a book. It's just part of who you are. But going back to the second question, why must I use this and come up with all the reasons? Because that's the inspiration, the fuel that moves your car. Finally, the third question is now that you have, how can I use this? Why must I use this? Third question, when will I use this? Oh, I see. You know what I mean? Because the most powerful productivity performance tool we have is our calendar. You know, and but we don't treat our own personal growth and self-development like we do other things. Like a lot of people just don't work out. Flat out reasons that's not in their calendar. You know what I mean? They're like, and, and they wonder why it gets cut at the end of the day when they have no more energy because they never made the time. But like the whole thing with high performers is they know that, and this is cliche, but it's true, just like most cliches, that self-love and self-care is not selfish, that you have to take care and schedule this stuff for yourself. Otherwise, it just doesn't get done, right? If you don't schedule in your meditation or your journaling or your, your mobility or whatever, whatever you're doing, you're not going to do it, 
right? Mm-hmm. So those are the three questions I'm asking people to put on the right side of their page. I would even challenge people to re-listen this episode and go through these brain gem, gems, if you will, and just write this down, take pictures of your your notes, and I'll even reshare some of my favorite also, because this is so important, because if you want to learn something, the best way to learn something is to teach it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You guys know, like, if you, if you had to go through a presentation on how to remember names and had to give a TED Talk about it on Monday... I mean, how much better would your focus be? Of course. How many? How many? Yeah. How much would your notes be different? Would you ask better? Like, would people ask more questions on social media or whatever? Of course, you would own that information. So, what I would say is, learn as if you're going to teach it, because that's the goal: learn, earn, return. Right? You learn so you could earn, and then you earn so you have more to give back and return to other people. And I think that return also could come in the way of teaching somebody else, hmm. because here's what you want to remember: when I teach something, I get to learn it twice. When I teach something, I get to learn it twice. So those those are your notes. And so going back to this original conversation, you're like, Jim, man, where were we? We were exactly at the morning routine, right? So we talked about the first thing I do is remember my dreams. The D is I decided on how to remember a dream. The the E, the R, if you will, is I reflect on it. You know, and I write it down. I keep a dream journal because I think when you write it, that's the first part where you take something intangible invisible in your mind and make it tangible. So Jim, this is as soon as you wake up, you start doing that. Yeah, pen I, literally, and paper next I literally wake up and I go through this process where I just, you know, I've decided the day before I reflect on it, you know, and I, I, I capture it. The, uh, the E, if you will, are, are your eyes. It helps actually before you go through this process to keep your eyes closed, to remember your dreams and reflect on your dreams. Because once you open your eyes, it, you lose a lot of focus. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. The A is affirmations, meaning that I affirm, I, I do this whole process of lucid dreaming where I teach people how to, you know what lucid dreaming uh, is? I do, and I would love for you to teach people how to do that. It's, I used to have done that since I was a kid, but I don't know Naturally? How. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a very small part of the population does it naturally. It's an incredible gift to be able to give yourself because um, for people who, who are listening that, that aren't aware of it, how would you describe lucid dreaming? Uh, Control, being, right? Being Control aware of that your dream. You're, you're aware that you're dreaming. You're in your dream and you're aware that you're dreaming. And through that process, you're able to actually control your dreaming. And what you're doing in the dream. Most and, people that have experienced it that don't know they've experienced it. It's like I, I remember the first time that I remember it is like when you I was in a it was scary and then it was not scary because I knew I had control. It's like somebody you know those dreams when you were a kid that you used to be running from somebody chasing you can't get away. Where I have now this ability to become stronger than whatever it was that, that was chasing me. That's how I learned how to do it. I was that's a kid me. and I had nightmares and my mom told me, "Hey, while you're dreaming." If you're scared, pinch yourself, and then if it doesn't hurt, you know you're dreaming. So I'm like, okay. So I did it, and then I realized I was dreaming, but then I was still in a scary dream. And so then I realized, I thought to myself, if I jump off a building, I'll wake up. And so that's the first thing I did, and I woke up. And so I taught myself how to wake up out of my own dreams. It's amazing. And then I stopped waking up and just started controlling my dreams. And it was very, it was like watching The Matrix when he tries to jump off the build or jump over the building, and he couldn't because he didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. So I tried flying in my dreams, and it took me practice because I didn't believe I could. But over time, I became much more powerful. That's amazing. And this here's the thing, everyone who's listening, who the benefits of doing this is huge. And you could use it from all these different things. A lot of people use lucid dreaming if you have the ability to, to be aware of your dreaming and control your and influence your dream to overcome um, phobias, overcome challenges and traumas that we've had and have kick back the locus of control. Because ultimately, mm-hmm. we're happiest when we feel like we are and can have semblance of control. Right. Because the reason why... I, I love your community so much is not only are we like-minded, but it's also, it's, we identify more with thermostats than thermometers. 
You know what I mean? Like, think about it functionally, because part of how we learn better is through metaphors, mm -hmm. right? Comparing something to what something we already know. We take something unknown, we compare it to something we know. And that's a question I ask all the time. It's like, how do I relate? If I don't understand something, how do I relate this to something like, you know, working out? You know what I mean? And then I understand mm -hmm. it better, right? And then on, on top of it, with the thermostat, you think about a thermostat or a thermometer. A thermometer, its only function is reacting to the environment. It doesn't change anything. Exactly. And that's and as human beings, sometimes we are thermometers. We react to the weather. We react to how a client treats us. We react to the economy, right? That, that's to be human. But to the degree we have the agency, meaning we have the control inside. To be a thermostat. Be a thermostat, because that's what a thermostat is. A thermostat doesn't react to the environment. It gauges the environment, mm -hmm. so it knows where it is, where the where we are currently, you know, through observer, you know, situational awareness. But then it's it raises a temperature or it sets a standard or a goal. And what happens in the environment? Changes. The environment changes, so it acts on the environment. And I feel like you think lucid dreaming helps with that because it helps it, you learn that skill exactly. That you actually have more control than you think. Hmm. That the agency, even when it comes to our dreams and our feelings too. Like years ago, I got to. I got to introduce two modern day superheroes together. They wanted to have dinner and it was Richard Branson and Stan Lee. Wow. You know, Stan, not, not Stan Lee, but Stan Lee, mm -hmm. the late, the late Stan Lee. And we're in the, you know, I mean, he's the co-creator of Spider-Man and X-Men and Avengers and everybody. And we're in the Hulk, car yeah. and we're in the car. And I, and I, I was just, I had to ask a question. I was like, you, you created all of these superheroes who's, you got to tell me who's your favorite. Uh. And he looks at me, he was like, Jim, my favorite is Iron Man. And I'm like, I love Iron Man, right? <laughs> and, I, and I was like, and he said, Jim, who's your favorite? And I, I he had this, uh, I posted this on Instagram. He has this huge, like, uh, Spider-Man tie. So I was like, oh, it's Spider-Man. And without a pause, he looks at me, he's like, Jim, with great power comes great yeah. responsibility, responsibility yeah. right? And I have these learning difficulties and a little bit, you know, like dyslexia, I reverse things, you know, and and I heard something different and I, I then I changed it back. I'm like, Stan, you're right. With great power comes great responsibility. And the opposite is also true. With great responsibility comes great power. When we take responsibility for something, we have great power to make things better. And most people avoid responsibility, right? Yeah, especially entrepreneurs. Because entrepreneurs, they, their highest value is like freedom. They mm -hmm. want to do, like we want to do what we want, when we want, for as long as we want, with whoever we want, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. and, but here's the thing, you know, anything that makes us something we have to do, you know, this discipline, we have to do this or do this, whatever it is, it takes, if you, we feel like it's taken away from our freedom, but in actuality, we know that that act or that habit or that discipline equates to freedom. We just know it, right? Because if you can't get yourself to do the things that are important to you, then you have the opposite. Then you're in jail, right? And that's the thing. And I, I tell people this all the time, that the treasure, the treasure you seek is hidden in the work you're avoiding. The treasure you seek is hidden in the work you're avoiding. And most people don't want to do the hard stuff. Like, you know, I, I do this. That's what Jordan Peterson says that. He says the place, the, your answers are the, and the places you're, you're least likely to look or the ones you're, the places you're least want to look. Right. You don't want to put, like, where are we not? Here's another question. Like, where where, where am I avoiding shining the light? In what it. area of my life that's are we not avoiding? That's where you'll find the dragon. Exactly. And that's the thing that people avoid, but that's going to give them the most treasure that they're looking for because it's the difficult thing. I mean, that's why you, you know, you push yourself in the ways that you push yourself with your mind, with your body, because you get yourself to do the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, 
before I came here, I did like my my ice bath and I did all these things. I, I hate cold. I hate it. <laughs> and I met Wim almost seven years ago. I, we were speaking right outside of Harvard University together and I interviewed him. And I've been doing these cold baths ever since. And I, every single one. I hate it. But I think that's part of the point right. is you get yourself to do yeah. difficult things. You know, and you expand, mm-hmm. you make, you know, what's, you know, that, that uncomfort zone. And you remember and then, how you feel when oh, you get out of it, though. Exactly. I hate talking and look what happens. Exactly. <laughs> and then, but then you pull on that resilience and that grit or that willpower, whatever you call it, yeah. to go on stage and do the difficult things. Well, mm-hmm. Jim, I want you to teach people how to lucid dream. Yes. I, what is, yeah, I teach us those yeah, skills. I because, this. Yes. because that's cool, because then you could dream and then you could do whatever you want. Like Justin could just eat yeah. cheese the whole time. And, <laughs> oh, my God. In your mind. The possibilities. I mean, the idea is, you're right, you could, you could meet anyone you want to meet, you could learn anything you want to learn, you could live out every single fantasy everything's in this you know in this matrix of your mind right oh, yeah. and you could you and then if you retain it and remember it you know combining then you're then you're in great shape so one of the techniques and there are a number of them is first of all just being aware right that's the hard part is first of all most people aren't aware that they're dreaming so you have to train yourself have you ever like indulged in something all day and all of a sudden like you start dreaming about that thing at night yeah. because that's the integration so what if you had a practice every single day to trigger yourself, to ask yourself if you're dreaming. Mm -hmm. Like, in fact, even this inner talk that we have, what if you asked yourself a hundred times a day, trained yourself, like put on your phone, have an alarm go off or every single, or a trigger. Every time you get in an elevator or you walk through a doorway, ask, am I dreaming? Mm. Am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Mm. Because what will eventually happen when you're dreaming is you'll ask that question. And the first time the answer is yes, then you're lucid dreaming, right? People have these other exercises where they'll just train themselves to look at their hand, They'll like train themselves to look at their hand or a piece of writing or something like that. And they say certain things you don't see in a dream state, like writing or words the same way or your fingerprints when you look at your hand. And then you train yourself to look at your hand, but the first time you're looking at your hand and it looks different because it never looks exactly like what it looks like in Mm -hmm. reality, if Mm -hmm. you will, then you're like, oh, then you alert yourself as like, this is a dream. Mm -hmm. And the other things that actually help lucid dreaming is actually things that help you to remember dreams. So we started about dreams, you know, the the acronym, D is you decide, R is you reflect on the dreams or write them down. Um, the, the, um, The E is you keep your eyes shut. The A is actually interesting. You affirm throughout the day. So you could even affirm throughout the day, I'm going to remember my dreams because that affirmation makes a difference because even when I say I'm the boy with a broken brain is because when people come to me, this is another pet peeve. People come to me all the time. They're like, Jim, I have a horrible memory or Jim, I'm just not smart enough or Jim or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, stop. You know, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. And people fight for the limitations all the time. You don't realize how powerful your mind is. And so you wouldn't say those things if you knew truly how powerful it was. And that's not to say if you have one bad negative thought, it's going to ruin your life any more than eating you know, a donut, it's going to ruin your life. But it's the consistency of doing that, right? right? And so even if you say you have a horrible, you know, I don't have a great memory, add a little word like yet, you know, Y-E-T, and it changes the feeling around that. The reason why I always go back to feeling is the key to a long-term memory you guys could do this. Uh, say and do this. Information. Information. So put your hand out. Information. Okay. Information. Combined with emotion. Combined with emotion. Becomes a long-term memory. Becomes a long-term memory. One more time. Information. Information. Combined with emotion. Combined with emotion. Becomes a long-term memory. Yeah. Becomes long-term. And here's the thing. We remember the things that make, that the way things make us feel, right? My Absolutely. Aunt, Maya Angelou said this. People, She said, people will forget what you say. They'll forget what you did. Remember they'll you always remember how you made them feel. Feel. And the reason why remembering names is so important is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. 
And how are you going to show somebody you're going to care for their business, their health, their fitness, their finances, whatever, your family, whatever it is you're selling them if you don't care enough just to remember their name? Because mm-hmm. what's the emotion? What's what's the message we're sending somebody when we forget their name? Mm-hmm. That we don't care. Yeah. That we don't care. Yeah, that, they're, that they're not important. And right. that's not necessarily true. We're just, we get lazy, right. you know? So the emotion is what's key. Now notice, information times emotion. And I know this is proof positive because you could test this yourself. How many of you listening you could hear a song and it could take you back to when you're a teenager. Of course. Mm-hmm. Or, a, or, a, or a fragrance, like a perfume or a cologne mm-hmm. or an essential oil or a food. You could smell a food and it could take you back to when you're a kid. Of course. Because the information by itself is forgettable, but information that touches you emotionally is unforgettable. But most information is forgettable and that's why people forget. Like think about what was the primary emotion you felt back in school? Oof. What did you mm. primarily feel when you're sitting in class? Boredom. Yeah, yeah, boredom. And on a scale of zero to 10, what's boredom? Zero, right? Mm-hmm. Information times emotion becomes a long-term memory. So you if have the emotion, information, no, no emotion. Right. And so if the, anything times zero is what? Zero. zero. And you wonder why you don't remember the periodic table yeah. because there's zero emotion. And so what we're trying to, we're always trying to add emotion into this. That's why you talk about the power mm-hmm. of, of motivation. So mm-hmm. the affirmation in terms of like in the dreams helps you to remember saying, affirming, I will remember my dreams because that carries weight. Even just another pet peeve. We did a whole episode on Thanksgiving on how gratitude rewires your brain for peace and prosperity and, and positivity. It's incredible. But even a little brain hack like changing got to get, you know, people say, I got to pick up my kids. I got to work out today. I got to make the stupid brain smoothie or whatever. What if you change it from God, change that one, you know, you know, that one O to an E, Mm -hmm. I get to pick up my kids today. I get to work out today. You know, I get to make a smooth, whatever it is, it changes the feeling around it. And the reason why gratitude is so important, and that's part of my morning routine also, is um, I go through a process of what I'm grateful for. And I actually do this thought experiment. I would challenge everyone to do this with us or do this today. What if the only things you had in your life tomorrow were the things that you fully express gratitude for today? Mm. Like what if the only things you kept tomorrow your sense of sight, you know, your the people in your life, any, right. anything, or your bank account. What if the only things you kept tomorrow were the things you express gratitude for today? And the reason why it's important is I believe there's a universal fundamental law of the universe that says what you appreciate appreciates. Like what you appreciate in your life appreciates and grows. God, that's a hack life. for relationships right there, if it, right? I mean, think, think about that, how many people just forget forget that in a relationship to appreciate the other partner and you just, because you see them every single day. And you take it for granted. Right. And because we always take for granted what's familiar. And the way you to change that is to change your questions that you ask all the time because that mm-hmm. dictates your focus because there's always another level of depth or gratitude or understandings. Mm-hmm. So going back to, to uh, affirmations. That's the A. The the M is managing your sleep. And that's important for lucid dreaming. And it's important for remembering your dreams because if you can't manage your sleep, the M in dreams to remember your dreams, then you can't dream, right? And so you're not getting to that, that, that REM or that deep sleep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and we know all the, and you guys have talked about on your show, you know, all the brain hacks, mm-hmm. right? You know, you, you, so it's, you know, the blackout curtains because a little bit of light could keep you awake. Mm-hmm. It's getting off of screens and blue block, sun, you know, glasses and keeping your devices outside of the, outside of the bedroom and keeping it on the cold side and like the, the Epsom salt, magnesium bath, all in that and the heat or the cold therapy. We all know these things, but manage your sleep and make it a priority. Mm-hmm. Like everyone thinks the alarm clock is, you know, supposed to wake them up and that sure, that's a function of it. I would 
set an alarm to when you go to bed because that also people don't realize to have sleep is the consistency of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like in terms of even at night, even on weekends, waking up at the same time is important also for, for your rhythms also as well. So that's the M. And then finally, the S in dreams, which could help both lucid dreaming and remember your dreams, share, talk about it. Get used to sharing your dreams with people around you mm. because the more you talk about it, the more you give life to that, you give energy to it, you're more likely, you know, talk about your dreams and your lucid dreams that, that aren't, you know, mm-hmm. you know, too personal. And then you share that. <laughs> Adam with had an interesting one uh, about Deion Sanders <laughs> yeah, recently. So, yeah, I shared yeah. a dream. <laughs> You'll never forget that one. Yeah, yeah we, we didn't forget that one. No, yeah. Yeah, you did our audience. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> so sharing your dream when you're passing it on, you're training yourself to make this thing important. And then so you, you build your, your attentions to be able to seek these things in the future. Have so you I'm had any from since you started doing this? Have you had any epiphanies from your dreams? Or like, yeah, oh, so shit, that's the, the idea. Thing. Or I'm going to do that video or whatever. Com- completely. And so you know, one of my biggest challenges, and I don't talk this about this uh, publicly, but for the last seven years, I've suffered from really bad sleep apnea. Mm. Um, you know, growing up with, so growing up as a kid, my two biggest challenges were learning and public speaking, right? Because I was phobic of having attention, right? Which the universe has a sense of humor because that's all I do for my life is yeah. I public speak on learning. But I do believe our struggles could be strengths. Right, that when you overcome adversity, you you it builds your ability. Hundred percent. Yeah. And then when you could pay that forward, then you can find your 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 purpose. Right. And so, um, but privately, I struggle with sleep apnea, and I've have CPAP, specialized dental devices, and I've spent two weeks with John of God in Brazil. You know, and I've had these one on ones with some of the best change workers on the planet. And I have every biohacking device, and I even had surgery with the head of you know throat at UCLA to be able to breathe. And it's just just chronic, right? And it's a big challenge. Um, and so my dream states are always, you know, few and far between because of, mm-hmm. I never get into that REM. Even when I wear these, the, you know, the aura rings, I see how many wake-ups I have. Mm-hmm. I stop breathing 210 times a night, Oh wow. oh, you know, man. which is insane because each time, each episode is at least 10 seconds. So imagine counting to 10 and I, I, and so I wake up suffocating, right? Mm-hmm. Even if I use yeah. the breathing device and all this stuff. So it's a little crazy. So that's my own personal challenge. Um, but I still, you know, I meditate twice a day and I, part of my routine is my morning routine. I also do that. And, you know, I have a float tank in my home and I, you know, I do all these things to rejuvenate and I'm always very sensitive. But here's what, here's the, the, the gift is. And I've always trained myself and I offer this as a gift to people who are listening that when we go through challenges, challenges could lead to change. And I've trained myself to ask, what's, what's this here to teach me? You know, where's the gift in this? You know, and so with my learning, it, you know, it supercharged my learning and my public speaking skills, you know, with the sleep, it's been really hard, but, but the gift, I've gotten two gifts out of it. Number one, it's, it's forced me to double down and lean into everything I teach. The reason why I do zero prep before I go on stage or before I do a podcast or anything is I don't have to because this is what I live. All I'm doing is sharing with people what I do for sure. because I would never be able to get the productivity and performance that I get on a regular basis, you know, which I would think is five times what, what a lot of people are doing on such little sleep, you know, because for four and a half years, I slept two and a half hours a night. Wow. You know, and we know the power of sleep knowing this. And I'm not advocating for it. It's not like I gained an extra five hours of productivity, you know. But the, so the second gift is besides forcing me to do everything I teach, the sec, which is a gift into itself. The second gift is it's made my decision making extremely clear. Everything in my life is hell yes. And if it's not hell yes, it's hell no. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because if I don't get completely aligned juice, mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, just completely mm-hmm. aligned, I just don't do it. Because one of the biggest stresses as we started this conversation is opportunity stress. You know, it could be, you could fly to Dubai and Hong Kong and do all these talks or have lunch with it, you know, but then it gets you really clear what's most important to you. Like right now, there's nowhere I'd rather be and there's no one I'd rather be with. And mm-hmm. so I could be fully present, but that frees up my energy because so many people, they're not where they, they, they agree to so many things that they shouldn't be there mm-hmm. and they're, all their energy is spread out sporadically and they wonder why they're depleted. But I could be completely present, completely energized mm-hmm. because I want to be here. And there's some kind of benefit viscerally in my nervous system knowing that I'm where I want to be and because I'm making the decisions to be where I want to be. And I have to do it to protect because when you don't sleep very much, you have to protect your energy your time, your emotions, your temperament, and you can only give it into things that matter. So it's forced me to focus on the things that would just really win. So right? those, those challenges made you who you are. I think all of our challenges cool. have made us who absolutely. we are. Yeah. Absolutely. You've, you've worked with some of the, the greatest, great, some of these greatest people I've, you've just rattled off when, in this whole conversation. Yeah. I want to take you back to some of them and ask you, uh, I would love to hear, uh, like, what was the most impactful thing that you did for someone like Will Smith? Like so, someone at that level already, that's already kind of a badass. Like, what did you bring to the table that impacted him? Yeah, I mean, so I, I can't talk a, a lot about some of the specifics that I've worked with with individuals. I mean, just like um, you know, as, as personal trainers and people have worked with you know famous individuals, they show them maybe their workouts and such. At a high level, with Hollywood specifically, I focus on reading all their speed reading all the scripts, and, and not only that, but retaining the lines because mm-hmm. it's some of these guys have to and you know men and women have to retain pages and pages right. dozens and dozens of pages of 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 work and it's all it's a lot of mental especially for the people I work with who are live like I've trained a lot of the TED speakers the top TED speakers or um, Broadway mm-hmm. performers because there's no there's no editing Right. right, because that has to be done in, in, a, in a live setting. I mean, some of the gifts I've gotten, you know, from what I've learned out of there are things like his magical question and his 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 commitment to discipline. You know, his he, how he runs and he reads all the time. You know, but you know, we talk about the, the great thing about this is whether people are famous or not famous, they all we're all the same. Right. You know, we all have, there's a gap between where we are and where we want to be. And, uh, and it, you know, maybe if people are famous, it's a little bit more um, extreme or on, you know, facing the, the, the world because they're more public. I remember being in his trailer just a couple of weeks after he uh, launches Instagram. And that was kind of interesting to me because I was like, why, why'd you start it after all this time? And he was like, Jim, you know, we've had these, all these conversations together. And usually all the stuff that I put out there is scripted by somebody, TV or movies. And, you know, I want to talk about really what inspires me and what really lights me up. Because mm. I, I believe, guys, that a lot of people who feel burned out or they feel tired all the time, I, that's a common complaint, right? If people feel like that. I feel like it's not because you're doing too much. You think it is. But maybe you feel burned out, not because you're doing too much, but maybe you're doing too little of the things that make you feel alive. Right, for mm-hmm. sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Pretending really too much. Lights you up. And, and pretending takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? To pre- like, you have all these energy bodies. It's like this energy body you have on social media this, of this, you know, amazing life. And then you have this also this energy body of like the person you fear that you are. And then you have like your real self. So that, that's at least three different people. And that takes a lot of energy putting mm-hmm. that, you know, feeding that. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say is... The people who are most successful, whether it's the people I talked about, whether it's the Elons, the, the Will Smiths, the Richard Bransons, the Elon, the 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 Jim Carries, 
what 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 I would find the commonality between all of them is going back to that thermostat is they feel a hundred percent responsible for their life. Mm. And until we do that, we don't have anything because then we're just a victim and we're just reacting to mm. everything mm. that that goes on. But my my big thing is just no ma- no matter where people are and the levels they are, we all have the same fundamental challenges. Mm. You know, we all ha- are suffering from digital overload, digital distraction, digital dementia, you know, forgetfulness, absent-minded, digital depression. You know, we, we, we are so trained to compare ourselves to other people. And so what I would say is there's hope. And that here's the thing, one third of your your potential is predetermined by genetics and biology. This is what science is saying. And people, it's pretty well accepted. Even like, for example, your memory, one third of your memory is predetermined by genetics and biology, but two thirds is completely in your control. And those come back to those 10 things I talk about mm-hmm. that, I, that I train. But the first thing I do again, going, going really rapid fire in terms of morning routine. First thing I do is remember my dreams. Second thing I do to build my brain power is I make my bed. Some of you have heard this before, but I've been talking about this for years. It's just the reason why I make my bed is just what, the same reason they do it in the military. Because how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. And you want to start your day with excellence. Because how long does it take to make your bed? Yeah, three minutes maybe. Right, exactly. Max, right? But if you could do that wonderfully perfect, right? Then success breeds success. You could stack and right. build positive momentum. And that's the key to the game is the science of momentum, right? Starting at positive momentum. Because some of us, you know, you know we, when we've been hit by, you know, a metaphorical Mack truck and you go and spiral down to negative momentum, right? And you start eating that bad food and you start, oh, I start binge watching everything on Netflix, right? But same thing with positive momentum. So you want to start with excellence. But the other reason why you make your bed, it's also another part of what makes your brain good is a clean environment, mm. you know, because you, you want to Marie Kondo your mind, right? Tidy, tidy environment is a tidy mind because your external world's a reflection of your internal world. Plus also another reason you come back to, at the end of the day, you come back to, to a made bed. That's a great feeling. You know, yeah. when you go to a hotel room and like the bed is all remade, you know, cause then, you know, they, they made it and they made it immaculate. You get to come back full circle to success. Right. So that's why it's good for your brain. Another thing I do first thing in the morning, I brush my teeth. You're like, Jim, you don't have to say that. Obviously we all brush our teeth. I brush my teeth with my opposite hand. Right. Uh And the reason why it's good for your brain, again, you get yourself to do difficult things, Mm -hmm. right? Because how you do anything is how you do everything. So I, and it also trains me to be present because in order to do it, I have to be in the moment. You have to pay attention. I call that the stranger. Exactly. (laughs) He said, brush his teeth, bro. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's the, that's the 11th thing he does. (laughs) So let it make the list. Drain the dragon. Use your, use your opposite hand and you're challenging yourself because it forces you to be present. And you do get yourself difficult, difficult things, and then it trains you to be in the now, and that's where you have the power. You don't have the power in the future. You don't have the power in the past. It's right in the now. Plus, the reason why you do it is there was a study done by Dr. Lawrence Katz, and he worked with seniors and wanted to find out how to keep seniors' brains alive, you know, how, how to keep them agile and focused and strong. And he, he termed this like neurobics, where you could actually do little things like eating with the opposite hand actually builds brain power. Interesting. There was a study done um, at Oxford University saying that jugglers have bigger brains. And you guys uh-huh. juggle? Yeah, no. I can yeah. juggle. So this guy's got really big, big <laughs> brains. <and that's> what, <laughs> you bet the reason, your ass. The reason why <laughs> is because you, the people who juggle, learn to juggle actually create more white matter. And so this is the thing, what I was saying, as your body moves, your brain grooves. It's not just a mind-body connection. There's a body-mind connection Mm -hmm. and using different parts of your brain, like body, like your left hand, 
actually stimulates the right side of your brain, which some people suggest is creativity, imagination, right. all those other activities. So brushing your teeth with opposite hand. Um, I hydrate, you know, very specific, like structured water, um, because this is the other thing, and this is obvious, but again, common sense is not common practice. So as a coach, it's not always something like the newest, sexiest thing. It's the back to the fundamentals, a reminder of what you do when you do it great is you could lose up to a pound of weight just in, in, in water, mm-hmm. you know, through respiration and perspiration at night. And so hydrate, right? Because your brain is 75, you know, and people don't realize we, were ta- we did an episode on neuronutrition, which is basically what you eat matters, especially to your gray matter and hydration should be part of that process and just have getting hydrated increases your reaction time. You're thinking about like 30%, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, so stay hydrated and also do some probiotics because I'm really big. We've done episodes on, on your, on your gut health. Cause that's your, your, your second brain. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So from there, you know, I do, um, I do a bunch of squats. You know, I, I read this, this study in um, Appalachian state university saying when's the best time to exercise 7am, 1pm or 7pm, 7am, 1pm, 7pm. And overwhelmingly, it was 7 a.m. You don't have to do your full workout, but you got to get your heart rate going for at least three or four minutes. So you could do some, you know, Tabatas or you do some burpees, whatever, um, you know, calisthenics, because whatever's good for your heart's going to be good for your head. Blood flow, oxygen, you guys know this, but those those people in that study that did at 7 a.m., they had also, besides the benefits, um, the other benefits that are obvious, um, they slept better. Mm. You know, and that's obviously, that's the number one life hack, right? right is sleep. Right. You could do everything else and not yeah. sleep. And then how's your, your brain performing? So I, I do just three or four, it's not my full workout first thing in the morning, but it's, I, I just three or four minutes. And then I, I take a cold shower when we always talk about, mm-hmm. you know, cold therapy and everyone knows what that is, lowers inflammation, resets your nervous system, doing difficult things also as well. Um, I make a, a brain uh, power smoothie. Uh, I always talk about, uh, you know, I could teach you how to memorize like, Max's genius foods in like mm-hmm. two minutes if you guys want to do it. Oh, cool. But I basically take 70% of those ingredients and put it into a, a blender and I just make a brain power smoothie. So the, the, you know, the, the 10 that he talks about and they're similar to mine are avocados, um, blueberries, I call them brain berries, uh, broccoli, which is really good, olive oil, eggs, very neuroprotective, um, green leafy vegetables, kale, you know, spinach, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, also, Wild salmon or sardines, really good for the brain. Wow, you put that in your in your shake? No, that's okay. all the <laughs> that was a good mm. that was a good catch. Um, and then uh, t- I put uh, I actually put turmeric, but he puts uh, like like wild um, grass fed beef, um, which which is good for the brain. I put turmeric because I make this kind of like golden you know, milk thing every morning with, mm. with pepper, it lowers inflammation. Cause I mm-hmm. think inflammation leads to a lot of challenges when it comes to cognitive performance. For sure. um, walnuts, which are kind of interesting walnuts because they, they look, look like, like a brain, brain. Yeah. you know? And so it's interesting in nature. I don't think there's science, real science behind this. It's kind of like pseudoscience, but certain things in nature look like the organ it's serving. Mm-hmm. Like if you cut a carrot, it looks like a human eye. Right. Or if you cut a tomato, it looks like four chambers, like in the heart, mm-hmm. which is good for your heart also. But those are more mnemonic devices than anything. But the easy thing to remember, signature, sign of nature, because it kind of tells you. And then uh, dark chocolate, you know, very, very, you know, good for the brain. Mm-hmm. Generally, what's good for your mood is going to be good for your, your mind. Um, so I, but I put a lot of those ingredients into a blender, Vitamix, whatever. And then I just I drink it, add, add some stuff to it. Um, and then I, I journal. Right. I do my gratitude. Mm-hmm. And then I also do my. Uh, my three things that I'm going to accomplish personally and, and professionally. And uh, it goes on, it kind of goes on for, you know, from there, but the most important thing is to do it consciously. Again, the, the, 
your success is hidden really in our in our in our routines mm-hmm. and best the first hour a day and i know there are kids involved and there's all these other things maybe you have to wake up a little bit early go to bed a little bit you know earlier or whatever it is but you have to prioritize that time because if you want to win the day, as we all heard right you want to win today you got to win the first hour hour of the day it sets the intention it's like uh, when people uh, pray over their food even if they're not religious or they whatever they're stopping they're they're becoming intent there's an intention they're aware about what they're about to do. Right. And if they're not watching Netflix and some people have the bad habit of actually watching stuff and everything else, it's better to have the intention and peace and conversation because then you're in parasympathetic mm-hmm. and that's rest and digest. Mm-hmm. And most people are, they're watching like these shows that put them in this, you know, fight or flight, par- you know, m- more sympathetic mode. And that's not great for digestion either. Oh, I found quiet time also just creates more space in my mind. So do, literally sometimes doing nothing and just thinking, not being on my phone. And then I end up remembering more shit as a result. Yeah. I really think it's, you hit the nail on the head. Scheduling white space in our days is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, when, even when you look at Warren Buffett's uh, like schedule, he has a schedule, you know, very few things on his schedule. He has so much white space, you know, for his reading and other things, mm-hmm. you know, even, um, you know, Steve Jobs, he was just really, he was known for doing all these walking meetings right? He would never be sitting around a boardroom. He would be walking around and that's how you think. Because again, it's, again, you're creating brain-derived neurotropic factors, but you have to disconnect to reconnect and we've heard it, but we have to schedule it and make it a must for ourselves. And also when you're moving, it's been shown that when you do rhythmic activity, like an elliptical or you're you're, you're just doing a light walk, brisk walk, and you're listening to a podcast, you're going to learn it better, Mm -hmm. right? And you're going to be more creative, but that white space, it just doesn't happen by accident. You have to schedule that that white space. Especially nowadays, that's for sure. Because there's no, yeah, there's no downtime yeah. because your, your time is like a vacuum and mm-hmm. nature of horror is a vacuum. So something is going to fill it unless you fill it with something that's intentional. So when you were with your, your friend's dad and you were 18, he said, read a book. Did you just do that? And then that was it? Or no. Did you, did you so, go back to so school? What ended up happening was I left their home and I come back to school and I'm sitting at my desk and there's a pile of books that I have to read for midterms and a pile of books that I want to read, that I promised to read. And I already couldn't get through pile A, right? So where do I have the time? I don't. So what do I do? I don't eat. I don't sleep. I don't work out. I don't spend time with friends. I literally just waste away and I, I just live in the library. And then one night, it was late at night, probably like two, three, you know, very late at night, I, I pass out. And I fell down a flight of stairs in the library. I hit my head again. Mm. And I woke up two days later in the hospital. And at this point, I was down to 117 pounds. I was hooked up to all these IVs, malnourished, dehydrated. And I thought I died. And honestly, a part of me wished I did. Because I, was such, I felt like I was such a burden. I thought life was so unfair that I worked harder than anyone I knew. And I was just barely passing, right? It was so unfair life. And I didn't want to be a burden to my family. And it was a very dark, it was a really dark place. I, I get like choked up just thinking about this. Um, so when I woke up, I just there, I thought there had to be a better way. And when I had that thought, the nurse came in with a mug of tea. And illustrated on the side of that mug was a picture of Albert Einstein. And it had these words. And I felt like he was speaking to me. These words you've heard before in different forms. Basically, it said the same level of thinking that's created your problem won't solve your problem. You know, the same level of thinking that's created your problem. We all have problems in our life. You know, I, I do an annual uh, Quick Brain uh, conference, and in the audience recently, I had a Quincy Jones. And I was like, please come on stage because I, you know, I'm glad, glad you're participating, but I would love to just, you get, there's so much wisdom here, right? We just celebrated um, last week his 86th birthday. And, um, 
And I was just like, everyone always talks about your successes, you know, all these, you know, thriller and we are the world and that's amazing. Um, color purple is like, but I want, I want to know about your problems. Like, I want to know what the difficult times, you know, what got you through these, the, all the problems you have in your life. And he was like, Jim, I haven't had any problems. And I'm like, no, I've saw the, you know, the, the document, you know, I've seen, I've seen, I know you, like you keep their challenges, right? He's like, no, I don't have problems. I have puzzles. And I'm like, wow. Hmm. Talk about the change. You change one word, how it changes like your interpretation. Mm -hmm. Because automatically when I started using puzzles instead of problems, you like, solve it. yeah, exactly. There's a solution. You yeah. can solve it. And there's some kind of fun. And I made me ask this question, like, what's my problem? And how do I think differently? Like Einstein says, and I was like, my big problem is I'm a really slow learner. And I was like, okay, how do I think differently about it? Well, maybe I can learn how to learn. Right. And I was like, okay. Then I asked the nurse for a course bulletin with, you know, for next semester's classes. And I look at them, all the classes, hundreds of classes, but all classes on what to learn, zero classes on how to learn. All about what to learn, what to think, not how to learn how to think. So I set my schooling aside and I just start studying this thing called meta learning. Like the riddle or the puzzle, like Quincy Jones said, the puzzle I wanted to solve is how does my brain work so I could work my brain? How does my memory really work so I could work with my memory, work my memory practically? Mm -hmm. Not the theory in an ivory tower stuff, because a lot of people, again, could quote like all this research and every stuff, including with their body. But if their body doesn't exhibit that, then they don't know it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So getting it out of their ivory tower, what practical did I do? And I start studying adult learning theory, multiple intelligence theory. I start studying mnemonics. Like what did the ancient Greeks 3000 years ago before there was printing presses, how do they remember? How do they pass on history, right? You know, what did what did the Indians do? Like the Native American, like what did all these cultures do back then? And I started studying the old stuff and the new stuff, right? And speed reading, mnemonics and everything, card counting, all, all this stuff, right? And I became obsessed about that. And then about 60 days into it, a light switch just flipped on. And it felt like I could understand things for the first time. It felt mm. like I had better focus. I felt like I could read something and retain what I was reading. And so my life completely changed. And through that enthusiasm, okay, it didn't start out as enthusiasm. It started out as anger because I was so pissed that I struggled my entire life. Never knew those things. And, yeah. and this could have been taught to me, little things on how to study or when to study or, or how aromatherapy and music changes my brain, like little things that are so easy to implement. And I was just struggling, just trying to work harder. Mm -hmm. Like I had that dull saw. I was just trying to harder, harder, pull all nighters, not eat. And, and I was just mm -hmm. wasting away. Right. And, uh, so I got angry. And so I started, I was like, I was like, this is, I'm going to start helping. I started teaching all my friends and their grades start shooting up. And then I, I wanted to just tutor it. Right. And I found, a, and so I started tutoring it and I, one of my very first students, she was a freshman and she read 30 books in 30 days. Wow. Now, you know, no, just let that sink in, not yeah. skim or scan, because like I teach people routinely how to read three times faster with better comprehension. Like we have students in 180 countries, so we have a lot of data in terms of what works. I'm, you know, and my students, most traditional speed reading, honestly, it's not speed reading. It's getting, it's skipping words and scanning, scanning right. and, and skimming and getting the gist of what you read. But I train some of the top world leaders, financial advisors, attorneys, doctors. You don't want your doctor to get the gist of what she's reading, <laughs> right? Like that doesn't even make no. any sense. So when I 
she, she read this young lady, read 30 books and really retained it. And I wanted to find out not how, right? I know I taught her how. I want to know why. I'm telling, like, that is the magic question. Like, why? What's the difference in terms of, it's not knowing because everyone knows, but nobody's doing. And I want to know why. And then asking her, I found out her mother was dying of terminal cancer. Doctors gave her mom two months to live. 60 days, that's it. And the books she was reading were books to save her mom's life. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, and I was an 18-year-old kid, right? And I was like, good luck, you know, prayers. Like, Six months later, I get a call from this young lady. And she's crying. She's crying, crying. So much time goes by. She, I can't even get a word out of her. And I find out they're tears of joy. That her mother not only survived, but is really getting better. Doctors don't know how. They don't know why. The doctors called it a miracle. But her mother attributed 100% to the great advice she got from her daughter who learned her from all these books. And that's, at that moment, I realized that if knowledge is power, learning is our superpower. That if knowledge is power, learning is our superpower, and it's a superpower we all have inside of us. And it's just we aren't shown how to unlock it. Because our brain is this incredible supercomputer, but it doesn't come with an instruction instruction manual, mm-hmm. right? And I really do believe that our our life is like an egg, that if an egg is broken by an outside force, life ends. But if it's broken by an inside force, life begins. Mm. All great things begin on the inside. Mm. And everyone who's listening to this, I'm reminding you, you have greatness inside of you. You have genius inside of you. And when is now a good time to, to let it out? You know, so many people are, they're, they're, so, they're diminishing themselves. They're dimming their light because it's shining in somebody else's eyes. And that's not the world we need in right now. Like for people that are bringing you down, friends, family members that care about you, you can't change them, right? Think about how hard it is to change yourself, right. much less change somebody outside of us, Especially right? if they don't want to change. Exactly. And the best we could do is to be an example for them, to show them like what we're doing in terms of everything that you're having, your practices and everything that you're talking about is to do it and prove it to them and be an inspiring example because we can't have it too much light right now because it's not even a competition so many people are comparing themselves to other people all we and we know this we're just comparing ourselves to the person we were yesterday right and that and that that's all there that there mm. uh, there is and so we don't have to diminish it we could be able to light up and really the key is really believing in ourselves because this negative self-talk we could just put an end to that like we all are too busy and that's such a that's another pet peeve people you ask them how they're doing and they automatically go i'm, oh, I'm just really busy yeah. You know, and basically what they're saying at a meta level, because there's always a secondary, third level communication, is I'm important because if I, you know, because I'm so busy, I got must be important. And that's the secondary gain that people get out of that badge of honor. They're saying they're busy. The problem is you start designing your life around being busy to maintain that. And you wonder why you're stressed all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like for me, that people are busy, busy all the time. I'm like, yeah, you got to work a lot smarter than than harder. I, I'm all for hard work and hustle, but I'm just saying, make sure you sharpen that saw, you know? And so going to the, remember one third of your memory is predetermined by genetics and biology, the really quick 10 things that are open up and unlock your quick brain. Number one is good brain diet. What you eat matters, especially for your gray matter. And we talked about all those. Um, actually, let me show you how to remember Max's genius foods real fast. Sure, yeah. Like mm-hmm. literally two minutes, right? Yeah. So an ancient memory device that how they... Uh, Greek orders used to memorize 2,500 years ago, like poetry and their speeches. They would use something called the, the memory palace, right? And this is where you would understand that if you took information and turned it into a visualization, you would remember it better mm-hmm. because your visual cortex is just larger, 
right? And it takes it could be store information. We remember more what we see than what we hear, mm-hmm. right? You remember the face, you forgot the name. Right. You go to someone and say, you know, I remember your face, but I forgot your name. You never go to somebody and say the opposite. You never go to someone and say, hey, I remember your name, but I forgot your face. <laughs> you know, that wouldn't make sense. There's a Chinese proverb that goes, what I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. What I do, I understand. What I hear, I forget. You know, I heard the name, I forgot the name. What I see, I remember. I saw the face, I remember the face. And what I do, going back to the power of practice, you understand, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I would say is, um, let's get it in our body. So they would store information in places. We don't realize this, but the human nervous system loves to store information in physical place and proximity. Because let's say you're a hunter-gatherer, you know, it's all around survival and, and, and reproduction. You didn't need to memorize numbers and words and everything else like that. What did you need to remember? Where food was, mm-hmm. where the clean water was, where the enemy tribe was, where the fertile soil, where was everything? And so what, knowing that, you would take a place that you're familiar with, maybe your home, your office, and you would take these designated places, like the fireplace, the bookshelf, the cat stand, whatever, and you would store what you want to remember in those places. And then, so I'll give you the 10 tips and then we'll actually do it together collectively, okay. um, everyone who's listening, and you're going to take a place, we're going to store information in these different places. And But the first place we're going to store is on our body. Okay. And I'm going to give you a shopping list, which is going to be you know, the best brain foods, right? And what we're going to do is 10 places on your body. So what everyone who's watching this and listening to this, to the best of your ability, be active. Because 20th century education prepared you for a 20th century world was passive. It was like you were lectured to. And the human brain does not learn through consuming. It learns through creating. Mm. The human brain doesn't learn through consumption. It learns through creation. And so you can't be passively lectured to and learn something. That just doesn't happen. Any more than listening to a, passively to a podcast is going to change your life. Active. Because learning like life is not a spectator sport. You can't sit on the benches. So I'm going to challenge everybody to, to do this with me and take time, even if you're working out or you're on whatever, take, just pull over and do this because this could be worth everything for you. This is how you learn to give a TED Talk without notes. Okay. All right. So 10 places on your body. Everybody do this. Just touch the place and say the place. So one is top. Top. Top, top. of your head. Two is nose. 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 Three is mouth. Mouth. And four are your ears. Ears. Five is your throat. Six, shoulders. Shoulders. Seven, collar. Collar. Eight, fingers. Fingers. Nine, belly. Ten, seat, your rear end. Ten, butt. So let's do it again. One is top. Two is nose. Three is mouth. Mouth. Four is ears. Throat. Throat. Shoulders. Collar. Fingers. Stomach. Booty. Right, good. So these are ten places. Now what we're going to do is next time you're at the health food store, let's say somebody calls you up, right? One of these guys calls you up and say, hey, we're going to do a mind pump barbecue. Can you can you stop by the store and pick up these 10 things, right? And when you pick up, you can't talk, you can't write anything down because you're picking up the phone, you're driving or you're, you're in the shower or I don't know why you pick up the phone in the shower, but <laughs> you, you can't write something down. Right. And you're like, oh, perfect. I'll just throw it on my body and I'll remember it. So here's the key, using imagination and being playful because children are the fastest learners. That's how they learn, using imagination. Mm-hmm. And the power of your imagination could change your health. I don't know if you saw this study. It was by Ellen Langer. 
you know, like this guy goes through so many stories, but this is how we embed things and you learn it really well. And the reason why I mentioned celebrities is not to drop names, it's to drop triggers. So next time you watch their movies, you see their Instagram, it reminds you, oh, that was my lesson. Mm-hmm. Next time you watch a Marvel movie, yeah, with great responsibility comes great power. You see Richard Branson, you see Will Smith on Instagram, whatever, you're like, oh, how do I make this moment even more magical? Right. So Ellen Langer at Harvard, she's a Harvard psychologist. In 1979, she was at a senior center nursing home. And she was like, this is a really dreary, non-inspiring place to live your final days. And she's like, I'm going to do an experiment. What if we rewound time in their minds, in their, in, their, in their psychology? Would it affect their physiology? And she took eight guys and put them into kind of refitted like a little monastery. So instead of 1979, it was 1959. And so the Time Magazine articles were from 1959. The, the television was black and white, introducing people like recordings, right? They took all the mirrors out, you know, so they couldn't see themselves. And they replaced and they said, hey, we just want you to pretend like it's 1959, mm-hmm. as if you're living. And for one week, live here and do that. And, you know, and when they got out of the van going to the, the monastery, they were, you know, they're, they're a senior. They, they took them hard from the walk. They have their arthritis. And they took pictures of them before they go in. And then... Seven days later, they 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 let them they let them out, right? And it was like a totally different group of guys. And empirically, the difference was they were physically stronger. So they did a strength test. They were physically stronger wow. after seven days. They had their sense of hearing and sense of sight were heightened, right? Because they tested these all before and after. And their cognitive memory and focus was better. And they took pictures of them and then they showed a focus group before and after. And they're like, which one is the older photo mm-hmm. and by how many years? And they all chose the, the, the which one, the, the older photo. They all chose like the, the older, the younger, which one's the younger one, the later photo by two years difference. And that was just like the power of expectation, the power of belief. And they repeated this study in Great Britain and South Korea, but that's just the power of your mind and visualization. Mm -hmm. So, and I really do believe this is a very timely conversation because where jobs are going right now, it's like three places. It's going AI, Mm -hmm. right? You know, jobs are being lost to artificial intelligence, automation, you know, software that could do your taxes and every, you know, everything else, then this can take away jobs and Asia, right? Everything's being outsourced <laughs> to, to different countries that, you know, for, for cheaper. And so where, where's our value in humanity, right? Cause it's no longer muscle power, it's mind power. It's not brute strength. It's our brain strength that adds value. And the faster you can learn, the faster you can earn three areas to double down on creativity, right? Your ability to be creative problem solving, imagination, you know, like, like you guys exemplify is taking the invisible and making it visible mm-hmm. um, because it always, success is always an inside out process. And the third thing is strategy. You know what I mean? Coming up with strategy. So what we're doing right now in this exercise is exercising our creativity, our imagination and our strategy building muscles. Okay. Right. So this is a practice. So top of your head, right? right. You have, um, now I'm going to ask them, give you the tap 10 foods. Avocados. Avocados. So just put avocados on on your head. Now you have to visualize it because that's where you're going to remember it. And the more, remember, information is forgettable, but information combined with what? Emotion. Emotion becomes a long-term memory. So make it funny or disgusting. We just did. He did the avocado song. It's the avocado song. Peel the avocado. There you go. Can we see that? (laughs) So that's avocado. And you'll always remember that. Two, second place is what? Nose. 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 I want you to remember blueberries. 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 I call them brain berries coming out of your what? Nose. Nose. And that's all you have to do. Smell them. Imagine it. 
They fit everything. in your nose too. Exactly. I've so, never done that yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's blueberries. So just remember them coming in your nose. You'll never forget it. If blueberries, right. if, you, if somebody just came over and started putting blueberries in your nose, would you ever forget that? 10 years later, would you ever forget it? Uh, no. no, I no, haven't. No, that's how long-term your memory could be, mm-hmm. right? right? Third place is what? Mouth. Mouth. Broccoli. I want you to remember broccoli. Okay. Mm-hmm. So somebody- Gets you know, stuck in my teeth. Yeah. But just so exaggerate a little bit so it's like a big stalk of broccoli. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly. Fourth place are your what? Ears. Ears. Olive oil. Olive oil. Olive oil. oil. What, are you, what are you picturing, everyone? Oh, I massage my ears just with olive oil every night. Smearing yeah. it. Like, right. a, like a wet willy. I give you a wet willy with some olive <laughs> with oil. Olive oil. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you have olive earrings or whatever. Whatever would be this different, right? Uh-huh. Or if it's the same, then don't use that. All right, so that's four. Number five is what? Throat. Throat. throat eggs. Very neuroprotective. Eggs. eggs. So, um, Stuck in my throat, maybe, when you yeah. swallow the whole thing? There you go. So instead of a Adam's apple, you use eggs right. in your throat. I have an eggs apple. Okay, great. Yeah. That's number five. Six are your what? Shoulders. Shoulders. Green leafy vegetables. So oh, yeah. imagine like- Like shoulder pads versus- Made of kale. Yeah. yeah. Shoulder pads made of kale. Yeah, and yeah. spinach, right? It's a new style. Yeah. See it, feel it. So you would, what you don't want to do is like, oh, I like that but you have to see it, yeah, right? right yeah. Number seven is your what? Collar. Collar, wild salmon and sardines. So a necklace yeah. made out of wild fish. salmon yeah. and yeah. sardines. It keeps the girls away. There you go. Yeah, yeah. fish it, necklace keeps the girls away. Yeah. And you'll always remember that. That's that's number seven. Eight are your what? Fingers. 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 I'm going to go a little different than um, than what Max, um, I like it. Um, he talks about... Um, grass-fed beef. I want turmeric. So just imagine turmeric all over your fingers. Mm. Orange, stuck on your fingers. Yeah. It's like you Pain eat Cheetos, ass, kind of. Exactly. And you can't off. get it off of yeah. your fingers, mm-hmm. right? That's number That's that's number eight. Nine is your belly, so it's walnuts. Mm-hmm. So walnuts coming out of your what? Belly button. Belly button. So imagine you're just eating walnuts coming out of your, your belly button. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, great vit- vitamin E, yeah. really good. Excellent belly button. And finally, 10th place is your what? Your butt. Your Dark chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's easy. easy. That's I easy. don't even want to know what yeah. you guys are picturing. But just whatever you're picturing, Reminds picture me of that. the stripper. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> I'm not going to go there, but it, it does. All, All right. right. So now you're at, you're at the supermarket. You don't have your list, but you got the list on your body. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you got to, you were having this, this mind pump barbecue, you know, full of brain foods. I can already see it all right And now. then yeah, what are the, great. let's, let's do it. Everybody who's listening, I challenge people Top to do head. this Easy. and take pictures of, of this episode, post the 10, 10 things. But the number one is what? Avocado, blueberries, Avocado. broccoli, olive oil, uh, sardines or salmon. Your throat is eggs. Eggs. Uh, yeah. After eggs is shoulders. shoulders. So that was the leafy green, leafy, green leafy vegetables. Then you got the the sardines and the salmon. Yeah. And salmon. Yeah. yeah. And the turmeric on your fingers. Your belly is your walnuts. Walnuts and then dark yeah. chocolate. You poop. That's amazing. And you, and that's incredible, right? And you learn that in like 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 two minutes. Can you do yeah. it backwards even? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Dark, dark chocolate, chocolate, walnuts, and then salmon. Eight fingers. Leafy, fingers. Oh, oh, fingers. Yeah. oh, yeah. Sorry. Turmeric and then salmon. And then on the shoulders, it's Le- the uh, leafy, leafy greens. greens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Broccoli. Bro- egg. Egg. Uh, yeah. Throw, yeah. Um, Let's see where else. Broccoli, broccoli blueberries, blue, and avocado. Yeah, broccoli, blueberries, and avocado. And this one? Olive oil. Olive oil. You guys Ooh, got it. I forgot that So one. it's amazing. So it's that's how your memory works. So if you want to be able to memorize, let's say, and you'll remember this, like you guys will test yourself like the next couple of days, you'll still remember this. And I'm, I challenge everybody who's listening to this to teach somebody else the same list because these are the foods that are good. This is neuronutrition. Your, mm. your brain needs different things than your body needs, mm. all right? So that's a little, little um, correcting like like a myth that they're exactly the same. But you're, obviously your brain is part of your body. Sure. Um, and now that's number one is a good brain diet. So what I want you to do 
at a meta level, let's also talk about 10, the 10 keys. I want you to remember these 10. So imagine you have to give a TED talk on the 10 keys for unlocking your, what I call your quick brain. So the first one is a good brain diet. The second thing, and what I want everyone to do as you're writing notes is rate yourself zero to 10. So on a, on a scale of zero to 10, that's what a coach does, right? They do an assessment in terms of your baseline. Mm-hmm. Zero to 10, how good is your diet? And see, like, yeah, you can learn the best speed reading, memory, learn languages, technique, more, but if, if you're not eating the right foods, that could be that like, mm-hmm. one thing. Everyone wants to know what the one thing is. There's no magic pill. There's a magic process. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving everyone the process behind the pill. So here you go. So good brain diet. Number two, killing ants. Killing ants is clinically proven to be good for your brain, cognitive performance. I love killing ants. Ants, yeah. Ants are negative. Anti, <laughs> ants stands for automatic negative thoughts. Oh, uh, see? Told Justin it's, it's a, not what you thought. It's oh. a term that I got from Dr. Daniel Amen, who wrote Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. But your thoughts matter, especially to your gray matter. We talked about, here's the thing. Your brain is like a supercomputer, and your self-talk is a program that will run. So if you tell yourself you're not good at remembering names, you will not remember the name of the next person you meet mm-hmm. because you program your supercomputer not to. Mm-hmm. So automatic negative thoughts. You want to be able to keep them positive. We already talked about changing your your gots to gets. You know, I get to work mm-hmm. out. I get to pick up my kids. We already talked about putting a little word like yet at the end. You know, I, have a, I don't have a great diet yet. You know, I'm not smart enough right. yet, whatever it is. But monitor your self-talk because your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. Mm-hmm. All right, number three, the third critical key. Now, rate yourself zero to 10. How's your you know level of negativity? Number three is movement. All right, so on a scale of zero to 10, how much are you moving? Ray's talked about as your body moves, your brain grooves. That you know, sitting down all day, sitting is a new smoking. And I'm not just talking about working out, you know, for an hour, four times a week, right? We're talking about this is like our movement culture. This sure. is what we're doing, right? We're going for walks. We're making deliberate time to do it. In fact, like we should be taking a break, you know, as you're studying and learning every 25, 30 minutes because they, they call it the Pareto's principle mm-hmm. that after 25, 30 minutes, your focus goes down and Pareto, you know, in Italian is a tomato. They have this tomato timer to go off and it reminds you, hey, just take a five minute brain break. And what do I do during my brain break? I, I move, like we're talking about now. I hydrate because, you know, water is important. Mm-hmm. And I do uh, deep breathing, you know, alpha Perfect. breathing, deep breathing, you know, deep breathing, box breathing, fire breathing, Wim Hof breathing, whatever it is. But a lot of people are, are lethargic and they go to food. It's not the food, it's the hydration and the oxygen. Mm-hmm. That's, so, that's so really more, more critical. So if you have brain fog or thinking, and also part of it's posture because a lot of people when they're sitting, their, their chests are like collapsed, right? Their diaphragm mm-hmm. and their, the lower one third of your lungs absorbs two thirds of the oxygen. So a lot of people when they're reading, they, get, they, they start falling asleep. It's because of more of their physiology. Mm-hmm. It's affecting right. their psychology. Mm-hmm. So on a scale of zero to 10, how much are you moving? Number four, brain nutrients. Brain nutrients is basically maybe you're not you have a fast food lifestyle you're not getting all the nutrients from your from your diet and so maybe because if you're low in in B vitamins that's gonna make a difference so do do a test right or get a functional medicine like you know like nutrient density test if you're low number one you know brain nutrient DHA's right your omega threes so very important your brain is very it's very fatty choline. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the thing. You can learn all the strategies, but your hardware has to be set, mm-hmm. right, also. So it's like what I'm talking about to have a quick brain, you have hardware, which we're talking about now, and then software. That's the processes on how to learn all these things. But you got to make sure hardware 
because more people update their phones than, than they do their brains, mm. you know, and their minds, if you will. And that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm really communicating. That's number four. Now, on a scale of zero to 10, maybe you know or don't know, but you might be lacking in certain things. Mm-hmm. Number five, positive peer group. We already talked about all of these, actually, because I built them into all the stories. But number five is positive peer group, because who you spend time with is who you become. We talked about the mirror neurons, that we start adopting the habits and attitudes, actions and standards of the people around us. So, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, how many energy vampires do you have in your life? Mm. Because you could do all this, everything, eat the best diet in the world, but spend time with the wrong people. And that's going to affect your, 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 your learning and your potential and your, mm-hmm. your performance because positivity and performance is contagious. Right. And so get around those, those kind of people that are encouraging you, challenging you, your tribe and everything. That's number five. Number six, and I'm going to teach you how to memorize all these. Number six is a clean environment. We already talked about that. Your external world is a reflection of your internal world. You know, as you clean your desktop on your computer, I mean, don't you have like clarity of thought? Of course. Mm-hmm. Also, you clean your you clean things. You know, a tidy tidy environment, tidy mind. Mm-hmm. Um, numbers, and also when I say clean environment, also talking about the things like we did an episode on, you know, invisible supervillains stuff you ties have talked about, like you know, air quality. You know, that's a clean environment sure. because that could you know affect your your performance. Light lighting, you know, could make a big difference in your performance, right? Um, Water also, also as well. EMFs, we don't even get into. So that's number six. Seven, sleep. Enough said. Mm-hmm. Three reasons. Consolidate short to long-term memory. So on a scale of zero to 10, you could be doing all that, have crappy sleep. So, and then, so zero to 10, how well, how good is your, deep is your sleep? Mm-hmm. And so you want to do a consolidate short to long-term memory, clean the plaque out of your brain that leads to brain aging challenges and dreaming. We do this whole thing about dreaming. Mm-hmm. Number eight, brain protection. You know, I got to participate in some of the things that were going on for concussion, um, for that movie that came mm. out. You know, I'm very concerned about head trauma. Like I remember years ago, because I'm, I'm I'm mixed on this because I move and I don't, I don't do just I like to like spar and, and box and but I hate it because you know all the research saying your, your brain mm. is resilient but it's fragile. I remember years ago I got a I got a message on my phone from Sylvester Stallone. You're like, this guy drops a lot of names. <laughs> but, but watch where, where the lesson is. He's like, Jim, you want to come over to my place to watch the, the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight? And I'm like, yeah, do I want to watch the biggest fight ever with you know Rocky? Yeah, I yeah. totally want to do that. Yeah. So I go, to, I go down the street, go to his place, and uh, I'm sitting on the couch, guys. And it's me here. To my left is Sylvester Stallone. And to his left is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And we watched the, 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 the fight and I was like, yeah. And but afterwards I'm like, genius leaves clues. So I'm not, I got to ask these guys questions. I was like, what does it take to be like up there, you know, fighting $300 million and just like at the highest level, what's the difference between an amateur and, and a champion? And he was like, Jim, the difference between an amateur and a champion, this is Arnold said, the difference between an amateur and a champion is a champion's willing to push past the pain period. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, you know, getting uncomfortable again. And then I was ask, asking Stallone about like making a decision about certain things. Should I do this? Should I do this? And and I was, I was like, Jim, and he asked this, he asked the same kind of question. He said, will the pleasure be worth the pain? You know, so it's highly sensitive to how we feel going back to like our willpower and motivation to be able to do something new. But coming back to this as a story, protect your brain, wear a helmet, mm-hmm. extreme sports, just just be careful, right? Um, number nine, uh, new learnings. And there's a study done, talk about longevity. They had these nuns. I don't know if you guys saw this on the cover of Time Magazine. They wanted to find how these nuns were living 80, 90 and above. Like, what was the secret to this community of, of, of women that were living so long? They found out half of it had to do with their emotional gratitude and faith. The other half, they were dedicated lifelong learners. And because they were learning every single day, it added years to their life. But not only years to their life, 
life to their years. Right. Because mm-hmm. we want to grow older, but we don't want to like lose all that function right. and then vitality. So new learnings. Mm-hmm. And then finally, number 10, stress management. And this is a huge one. If you want an active super brain, you, you, don't, you don't realize how much stress you're under unless you're like, you know, on a beach somewhere. Right. Right. And so what I'm saying is chronic stress shrinks your brain. And, you know, cortisol, adrenaline, fight or flight, it's not good if you need to take a test or give a TED talk or meet someone for the first time. So those are the 10 keys for unlocking your quick brain. Now, rate them zero to 10, everybody, because self-awareness is a superpower. Mm -hmm. And really quickly, I want to show you how to memorize these 10 things so you could give a TED talk on it. Right. Mm -hmm. So now instead of taking your body, because you use your body, you could use your home. Because imagine you could take 10 plays in your home. Imagine yourself... Like right now in your doorway of your living room or kitchen, you just see, go clockwise. You take this, 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 right? And so what I want everyone to do is do this with me. Actually, let me, let me for sake of time, use some place, because we're all going to use different places. Let me just use my office, all right? Okay. So like I'm going to walk you through my office and then walk you through a journey. And I'm going to ta- tag the 10 things. I'm going to take the first tip, put it in the first place. Second tip, put it in the second place. Now, by the way, if you've ever found yourself saying in the first place this and the second place that, you know that languaging? Mm-hmm. That came from this 2,500-year-old memory technique. Oh, wow. But that, that technique, I'm bringing it, you know, I'm bring it back because I feel like we need it. But that, that's how we used to remember things. But the, the technique disappeared, but the languaging is still there. It's mm, interesting. Interesting. So um, everyone take a deep breath, exhale. And then just, I want you to imagine, if you can close your eyes as you're listening to this, it just helps you with your focus. I want you to imagine you're on a plane and um, I'm based in LA and in, uh, in New York. I have an office in uh, Westchester, New York, home of the X-Men, by the way. Um, <laughs> putting that out there. My favorite uh, superheroes were the X-Men growing up because um, as a kid, they were, it's not they weren't, they were the, they weren't the smart, the strongest, but they just, they were mutants, so they didn't fit in. And I felt like growing up as a kid, I didn't fit in. And um, I read when I was nine years old in the comic book that the X-Men school was in Westchester, New York. Um, and I lived in Westchester, New York, and I... Every weekend when I was nine, I used to ride my bicycle around my neighborhood trying to find that school. You know, like Charles <laughs> Xavier, awesome. Professor yeah. X School yeah. for the Gifted. Um, it's kind of interesting because there's a big lesson here. Years ago, I got a call from the chairman of 20th Century Fox, and I did a program for him on Friday for his executive team. And afterwards, he was like blown away. He was like, this is the best training we've ever done for our team. And he walks me around the Fox lot in, in Hollywood. I've never been on a, a studio before. And there was this movie poster of Wolverine. And... Um, and I was like, I can't wait for that movie to come out because it wasn't coming out for a few months. And he picks up his phone and then, you know, like five minutes later, I'm in the Fox Theater with 3D glasses watching Hugh Jackman fight all these super No, movies. you didn't. And it was so awesome on That's a Friday. That's crazy. So wow. crazy on a Friday afternoon. And after he gets me, he's like, Jim, how's the movie? Um, because he knows I'm like geek. I was like, it's it we're so great. That's what I loved about it. And he's like, you don't know this, but I had a broken brain and learning challenges. Couldn't read, read comic books, favorite comic X-Men. I used to ride my bicycle around town looking for the <laughs> X-Men school. He's like, Jim, I didn't know you like superheroes. How would you like to go to Comic-Con? You guys know what Comic-Con is? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. So he's, I, was, I was like, when's Comic-Con? He's like, it's today, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And automatically, I'm like acting nine years old, but I'm become 99 years old because my critic I was like oh I'm gonna get to San Diego from LA and I have all these meetings here in LA and like oh there's gonna be traffic and I have tickets wait on lines I'm looking where and he's looking at me he's like perplexed he's like Jim you want to go I'm going tomorrow I'm like yeah there's chairman CEO of 20th Century Fox is going I want to go with you so he picks me up the next morning Saturday morning at my hotel and instead of driving we get on a his plane I swear to you we get on the plane we're, not, we're the last ones to board 
and the entire cast of X-Men's on the plane. They're going to surprise Comic-Con, make a surprise because they're, they're going like, to announce like, you know, uh, X-Men Days of Future Past and, and they're going to surprise them. And, I'm, and I, I don't even see like Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. I see like Professor X, Wolverine. I'm sitting between Jennifer Lawrence, Holly Berry going to Comic-Con, right? It's like awesome. <laughs> the, day, the day ends, we come back and the chairman's like, how's your day? I was like, this day was amazing. Thank you so much. Like, this has changed my life. And he was like, I have something else for you. I'm like, I don't want anything else. What can I do for you? He was like, Jim, they really loved you. How would you like to go on set? I was like, what do you mean? I was like, we have another 30 days of filming the new X-Men movie in Montreal. You know, how would you like to go? And he, I was like, I could totally, I want to totally do that. What can I do for you though? He was like, do what you did for us. Teach him how to speed read scripts, memorize lines, be focused, present. I was like, I could totally do that. <laughs> Next morning, we're on what they call the X-Jet. Uh, Sunday morning, flying to Montreal and I get to brain train like my heroes, right? And the very first, the very first um, scene that they filmed was shot in the X-Men school. And I got to see my superheroes come to live like right in this X-Men school that I've always been looking for. I spend the week there, but even better than that, I get back home to New York and I open up my uh, package the size of a, that plasma TV and it's that photo it's me and the entire cast of X-Men, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, Holly Berry, you know, Patrick Stewart, so and, you know, Michael Fassbender, wow. you know, James McAvoy, the entire cast. But better than the photo was the note. It said this from the chairman. Thank you so much for sharing your superpowers with all of us. I know since you were a child, you've been searching for your superhero school. Here's your class photo. Uh, how, how, like, talk about epic, leadership. Like, please tell me that's like, framed like massively like, in your house. It's like please. my permanent Twitter, Facebook cover fo- profile photo, you know, my, my, my cover photo, but it's like that, that playfulness, what allowed that to happen was this idea of like, you know, like looking for your superhero school and I've never really found my superhero school. So that's why I, you know, created my, my podcast and my show and everything mm-hmm. else like that. Cause I want, I want everyone's superpowers to be unleashed. So anyway, my office is in Westchester, New York. So imagine everybody now you're taking the plane and it lands in Westchester airport. Um, and you know, car service comes, pick you up. You're in the back seat, and this is suburbia, right? I want you to imagine you're there. Even if you can't imagine it, imagine you could imagine it, right? So the car picks you up and I'm going to name 10 places in my office just for speed of time. And then I'm going to take the 10 keys for unlocking your quick brain and put one in each place. So it's a big glass building, um, trees everywhere. The first place is the parking lot. So I want you to say out loud for your auditory memory. What's the first place? Parking lot. Parking lot. When you get out, there's a good brain diet waiting for all of you. Mm. All the best brain foods there. We have a big brain buffet fight. Okay. You know, food fight, right? Oh, and there's avocado. What are some of the foods that are there, by the way? Yeah, avocado, yeah. blueberries, broccoli, sardines, broccoli, oil, yeah. dark chocolate, walnuts, yeah. turmeric, green leafies. And that's a testament because when you understand how your memory works, you can work your memory. And what if everything, what if you can improve your business vocabulary like 10 words a day or learn 10 language, you know, like words, language words a day? What if you could be able to remember everyone's name just right. as easily? Right. So that's a good brain diet. You go from there and there's a waterfall, it creates a little moat around the building. So you have to cross a bridge to get there. So that's the second place. What's the second place? Bridge. 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 And with your eyes closed, just imagine you're crossing the bridge and you're killing ants. Yeah. Stepping on ants, yes. automatic negative thoughts yeah. remind you of that. Because remember, you're going to give a TED talk on Monday morning. You need to remember these 10 things in order. Okay. So you step on all the ants. You would never do that, but that's why you remember it. You go into the building. Third place is the elevator. What's the third place? Elevator. 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 You get into the elevator and it's what? Exercise. 
So whatever it is, your exercise, you're doing your extra exercise routine in that elevator with your trainer. It's a gym in the elevator. First there you one go. Ever. Yeah. That's your brain gym. You're doing it right there in the elevator. And that's to remind you exercise. From there, you walk out to the fourth place, which is the elevator opens right in front of you is the hallway. What's the fourth place? Hallway. Hallway. You see the carpeted hallway and you see on the floor all these brain bottles of brain vitamins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, all these bottles of brain vitamins, and they're maybe they're big bottles of brain vitamins, and you're jumping over them like you're Indiana Jones, Laura Croft, Donkey Kong, whatever, jumping over big bottles and see all the DHAs, the Gingos, the B vitamins, choline, whatever, big bottles of vitamins you're jumping over. You'll never forget that. You open a door to the office. Immediately to the left is the fifth place, which is the closet. What's the fifth place? Closet. closet. And inside there is the fifth brain tip which is the positive peer group. I want you to see all your happy friends in the closet. They're stuffed in there. All your happy friends are hanging out in the closet. <laughs> all right, they're Adam, just really- Don't let them out. They're they're really, get out of the closet. <laughs> they're, really, they're all happy and they're really amazing. They're in, the, they're in the closet, right? They're cheering for you in their closet. You go from the closet to sixth place, which is the receptionist. What's the sixth place? Receptionist. And the receptionist is cleaning the environment, like OCD, bleaching, mopping, vacuuming, everything has its place, clean environment. And then just notice that. You got to see mm-hmm. that. And then behind the clean environment, next place is the fish tank. What's this? What's the seventh place? Fish, fish tank. tank. And they're all sleeping. All right. So sleeping with the fishes. But imagine the sleep. They're in, hey. their, they're in the bunk beds. They're wearing their pajamas. They're snoring. Nemo is there and Dory. They're all He's sleeping. Yeah. All right. You see them all there? Sleeping. Mm-hmm. Good. After that, you walk over to the classroom. We're going to take, um, let's say we're going through a speed reading class. The eighth place is the door, the doorway, but it's closed. What's the eighth place? Doorway. Doorway. And it's closed. So you put on a helmet to remind you of brain protection, like wear a helmet. Mm. And you put it on and you headbutt the door open and it shatters. Mm. Right. And then the ninth place in front of you is the whiteboard. What's the ninth place? Whiteboard. Whiteboard. And I'm there writing the words new learnings. Like that's to remind you new learnings. And mm. I'm putting, I'm listing all my favorite books, new learnings, right? New learnings. Because that's how you create neurogenesis, neuroplasticity, novelty. And then finally, on the side of the room are all these bonsai trees, bonsai trees, all right, Japanese plants. And I want you to imagine stress management. So whatever relieves stress for you guys, whatever your practice is, do that on the bonsai trees. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Like, like massage or meditating, <laughs> whatever you're doing, yeah. having a glass of red wine, whatever, but stress management, but associated to the bonsai tree. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Now you guys are on stage and you need to, you don't, you don't need to memorize things verbatim. I mean, there's a different strategy. I did two episodes on how to do things verbatim, poetry and what I do for Hollywood actors. But let's say you just need to remember the points, right? right That's right. what you need to remember. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it doesn't sound rote. And, but the problem is if you go to answer someone's question, you come back, you're like, Oh, where was I? Because right. like, mm-hmm. I went on a lot of tangents in this conversation, right? right. Yeah. But I always came back to where I left off because I remember where I left off. Sure. Because you could do that because you have things on your, you know, on your body or in your office or right. wherever. Right, right. So now you're on stage. What's the first brain tip? Walking. Well, parking lot first. Parking, parking lot. Brain food. Yep. And the brain food. And you walk over to the bridge. And what do you? What does it remind you? Ants. Of? Ants. You get into the elevator. The exercise. Exercise. You open the elevator. Immediately, there's the brain hallway. Food all the, the hallway. Supplements. Yeah. All the supplements. All the brain yeah. vitamins. The brain supplements. Good. And then you open up the closet. Inside the closet are your Adam's friends. friends. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> all your happy friends. Your positive peer group. Sixth place. The receptionist is cleaning. Cleaning, cleaning the environment. Yeah. Behind the receptionist is the what? Fish. Fish tank. What are they doing? Sleeping. 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 Ryan, you asleep. You, the door is closed. What do you do? No, break it with you your head. Break it with your head. Put your, yeah. helmet, put your, put your helmet, helmet on. Protect, protect your, your brain. Yeah. Uh, in front of the room is a what? 
is the is I'm drawing on the what whiteboard whiteboard and what new learnings new learnings and finally the bonsai trees remind you of what smoking weed <laughs> <laughs> stress management yes. there you go excellent man yeah awesome good you, times brother you guys rock this yeah, awesome, awesome, I just want to literally if you're still listening to this episode or watching this video like literally kudos to you because you self-select yourself because the fact that you're still listening, I feel like you're a thermostat because you're doing the work and you're doing it. And I have such a big respect for you guys and everyone's listening because I feel like the world needs more people who really like follow through. And I feel like success is half and half. It's showing up and once you show up, playing full out. And that's really the the secret of success. Thank awesome. you very much. Amazing. Hey, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate Jim. you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>